Hey, this is Carl Story. You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Very good, as usual, Mr. Price. I don't really worry about anybody walking all over me tonight. No, it's true. Live without a net, David A. Price. <laughs> Catch me, hold me. Chokes him off the high wire. He's going to hurt himself. <laughs> he never did this before. Oh, shit. One of those days. Yeah. It was a day that felt like, I thought it was Friday. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't go to work Monday, and Tuesday felt like Monday, so this week's been completely fucked up. Yeah, my day pretty much felt like all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, from time <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, mm. It's a very good thing. A chain with yellow lights I made Sloppy Joe's, though. Ooh, Sloppy oh, Joe's. Oh. Yeah. Make them extra sloppy. No, I just opened the can and I browned some meat, opened the can, threw it on the meat. That was fun. Got the sandwich. Gross. (laughs) That shit is. Why you don't like it? Uh It's why. Because you can. I don't don't know. I don't like Sodium City. I don't know. I've been there. I've been to Sodium City. You have. Yeah. They're all salty there. You've been the guy for Yuri's place, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Dude, that was good macaroni and cheese. <laughs> For $20, yeah. It still was good. <laughs> oh, fuck the Christ. Weird start. Hey, everybody. Yo. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 436. Yeah, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am so glad to be here tonight. I'm so glad to be able to talk to not only Vince, but two of our very dear friends. And I am David A. Price. Yeah, you are. And we have, as David spilled the beans, we have two guests this week because Jason's not with us. So we wanted to, no, it doesn't take two people. We wanted to elevate the smarts because, you know, Jason's been lowballing it lately. So we brought in two incredibly intelligent men to fill the void left by Mr. Wood. What he's doing, I have no idea. When do those guys show up? They're here. Oh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're both comic historians. One is legit, one fakes it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're our friends. And we, let's just tell them who they are. Nothing brought a fan. Yes, let's tell them. TV's Mario. Mario Muscar's here and Zach Crusey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Boy. Is this the part where I jump in? Oh. Just by saying, hey. <clears throat> okay. I've never done this before. I've never podcasted, so. No, no, neither of you have. But welcome, guys. We're glad you're here. Hi, thanks for having us. They just walked into the room. Good <laughs> nap. What the fuck was that? He'll be better than Jason. Oh, shit. See how it is? Mm. He said we were on his dick last That's episode. That's true, we're, yeah. Because he, he got this. And he's not even going to be here. Poor little guy. Uh, yeah. He'll he'll recover. Oh, yeah, His ego is so the, fragile. The scabs will peel and he'll live again. But you know what isn't fragile? They're robust and strung like bull. It's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. 
It's amazing. Unfortunately, we're in limbo. The previews just came out. The list of specials, to my knowledge, because I have not checked it before the episode, uh, has not been put up. But rest assured, the discounts will be both numerous and plentiful. I always say that. You think you'd get it by now. So, dcbservice.com. Go there and save. That's biblical. That's I got my box today. Oh, lucky duck. Mm-hmm. No, and I got I got the alert that the box is coming. Yeah, that's oh, I yeah, hate that. That's oh, by the way, we mailed you a box. Great, thanks. Well, I know you, you don't care about check that. the shipping, and it says like, you know, uh, the notice has been sent to the the shipper for pickup, but you're like, oh, it hasn't even picked up yet. Yeah, so I never ever check my uh, list to see what's coming in the box. Never. I don't like to do that because I, I like to be surprised. Mm. Yeah, I always check. I always look. I need to know what's coming. Well, you demand the truth. You're you're a skeptic. Yeah. See, I I'm dancing with the fairies out in the field. Yeah, no room for mystery for me. (laughs) Unless, of course, see, you could have could have plugged it. Oh, the mystery solved. I get it. Damn. I get it. I, I remember that. I did that. That was fun. I like that. So great. It was, it was great. It was great. It was, I, yeah, I miss doing that, but I miss reading it. Me too. I used to read it. That's my, e- my ego was so fragile that I had to like boost my clicks by going to the website every day and reading my own strip. And then I, that, that screws your, your Google AdWords because you can't be signed onto a computer that is also, it, it was so, when they explained it to me, it was so goddamn convoluted. But yeah, I know. Yeah, you are. You 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 do need to read it. I know. Yeah. And I used to go on, when it was in uh, when I was still running it through Skeptical Inquirer, and I was working through the, with those guys. I I would go to the Barnes and Noble every two months when it came out, and I'd buy a copy and get all excited about it and flip right to the back to make sure they printed it right. And wait, they didn't even give you a comp copy. Uh, I got comp copies for the first couple issues, but after that, nada. No, I had to go. I had to go buy it. That's crazy time. Yeah, I know. I was a little uh, disappointed by that, but I mean, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Whatever. Those, the perils of being a professional. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can't trust skeptics. This is no. the message of the story. <laughs> it's true. So, <clears throat> so here's a here's a funny story about that too. So, do you guys know who uh, Joe Nickel is? He's like a no. he's a famous skeptic. Uh, but he's always like on like uh, History Channel or A and E. Like uh, he's like a magician and a detective, and he's always talking about like the. Sh- he was a big. Uh, he was a big deal with like the Shroud of Turin when they were you know debunking that you know nonsense. Uh, yeah. He was a, he was a big part of that. But anyway, so when I first sent when uh, Jim Miller and I sent our first strip over to them for the magazine, um, they got it and Joe Nickel read it and was convinced that it was about him. Mm. Uh, because apparently, like, he uh, sometimes goes by the colonel or something like that and has and has a study full of, you know, trinkets and doodads and other things that he's collected in his travels or whatever. So he was convinced that the strip was not only about him, but making fun of him and uh, got really upset and tried to have it yanked from the magazine. Uh, and then I had to like write an email and explain like I had nothing to do with him and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about him other than when I see him on 
you know, National Geographic or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about you other than when I see your beautiful face on TV, you gorgeous man. Yeah. Please, yeah, please, please, please run the strip. Please, please, please run this. He doesn't sound like very much of a skeptic if he thinks there's just big conspiracy theory out to get him because. Yeah, I- Egoist, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was weird. It was, it was a bizarre situation, but I mean, it's, it, it went away as quickly as it cropped up, but it was just this thing. It's like, why, why would you think that? And why is your ego so fragile? Like, let's just imagine for a moment I was making fun of you. What do you care? Like, we're still on the same side in all of these stories, right? Like, if you come off as like a little silly, then what's the problem? So long as like you accomplish the same goal. I, I don't know. But anyway, that was an interesting thing that came up with that. Good story. Yeah. What are we drinking? I want to hear from our guests, so I want to know what Zach is drinking. All right. Well, I've got uh, from Oddside Ales, which is a Michigan brewery, uh, this uh, I Want My HTV, and it's an Imperial uh, Pale Ale, and it's got like a Dire Straits uh, music video guy on it and everything. Oh, oh the blocky guy yeah. that's moving refrigerators? Uh, really? Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, like, they do lots of uh, like pop culture references. Like they do lots of like uh, always sunny in Philadelphia references too. Like they have one called the Implication and another one called Troll Toll and all kinds of groovy stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Coolness. Mario, what do you drink? Uh, I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking a Negroni, uh, which is an Italian beverage. Uh, equal parts gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth, and it's delicious. Wow. Wow. What about you, Vince? Well, I took the appearance of our two buddies as a reason to splurge. It's a special occasion in my book. So I'm drinking two things of which I don't believe I've ever consumed on the show. One I know for sure. Jason has has had this. This is uh, Pacifico, mm-hmm. but it but it's Clara, which means it's probably clear because Clara is clear, isn't it, in Spanish? Um, it's a 24 ounce can. It's nuts. It's a little thin for me, but I like it. And I'm also drinking, oh, where is it? From Magic Hat. It's number nine. Hmm. Oh, I thought you don't like the fruity beers. Well, we were playing Magic <clears throat> Friday night and it was left at the house. Oh, so right. I'm not just going to leave it in there. I'm going to drink it, right? You know, I don't like fruity beers either, but I don't mind the, the number nine. I don't know. It's good. There's, yeah. there's that apr- there's that little bit of that apricot or whatever it is to it, but yeah, I like Magic Hat's beers. I like them a lot. I do. Yeah, from the from the label and the cap right on into the bottle itself and inside of it, it's mm-hmm. good stuff. David, tell us. Uh, well, like you, Vince, because we have two very special people on tonight. Intelligent, people. Uh, very intelligent people, <laughs> close personal friends. Um, they I'm getting uh, a hard on. You should. You should. The really? And I'm, this is the second time I have had this on the show. And it actually, it, it kind of fills a few different, you can check off a couple different boxes on the list because I know that, um, Mario has a, uh, he, he can enjoy things that are aged like a bourbon. And, uh, because Zach ran a very successful convention and decided to stop doing it before we could actually attend, Vince. Uh, I am drinking some hard scrabble applejack from Hudson Ooh. Valley Distillers. Huh. Nice. 
Sounds fantastic. I love it. That. Is, you know, it's and I had never had it until I went on the tour of this distillery, hmm. and and uh, had it at the tasting and decided to leave with a bottle. And uh, for those who may not be aware, uh, Zach ran the Appleseed the con. Um, See where David was going with that, people. And right. that's so. That's I know, fun. I know, but the four of us got it. I know that, but uh, yeah, but no, you got to explain so, yeah, it. So it's it's, the, but it's. It is rather tasty. I don't drink it often because it's not a a large bottle. Um, so I, I I tend to just sip it when I'm in the mood for it. But it is it it's it's. The guy's like, yeah, you know. So we make it from apples, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really enjoy that, and I did. So I need to go back though and buy their uh, pick up a bottle of their malt whiskey that they've started making. They also make gin and vodka. They they do a lot of things there. You're getting a kickback. I should be. <laughs> David, there's some, uh, there's some good bourbon cocktails out there that have Applejack in them as well. You, have to, you should look up like a bourbon Applejack cocktail. I shall. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some comics. We can talk about some comics. Um, I had a mini stroke there for a second. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I started to talk and I was just like, I just, it's just, <laughs> It went all black, don't and I came back. Don't don't it came back. We can't, I, I will drive the hour and change to. Um, I don't know, Zach. Do you watch the strain? Nope. Have oh you read boy. the books or read the comics? Nope. Okay. Um, do you know what a strain is? <laughs> I've got a rough idea. <laughs> In any case, uh, a couple weeks ago, when I when I foolishly said that uh, the third season of the strain was starting. That Sunday, I, I was mistaken. It was actually the, the following Sunday, and um, but it, but it was a good it, thing because you saying so made me go upstairs, right. plug it into the, the damn well, DVR thing. I, my DVR's already got it saved, so after we were done recording, I wanted to make sure that nothing else was going to get stepped on because I know Fear of the Walking Dead is back, and I just wanted to make sure that everything was going to be set up. And then when oh, I, I looked it. at on on Sunday, I was like, oh, that's not. It's happening a week later. And then I got a text from Mario who um, was about to yell at the person he thought mistakenly said that uh, uh, it was that the wrong Sunday. But in any case, it returned last week, uh, this past Sunday. Vince actually watched it the same week it happened. which I did. Rarity, and, and, uh, which means I really liked yes, it. Yes. And, and Mario actually watched the uh, oh look at that if i i mean we can definitely talk comics obviously but if we want to talk the strain early on uh we can do that now if you want i'll talk strain for a few minutes i enjoyed it but zach's gotta die oh no i agree because you gotta watch it not our no. guest, but the the kid has to. Yeah, die. He, I I agree also. So, name <laughs> no, he's he's got to go. I mean, between um, total disdain for everyone, including himself, probably. I was so wishing that it, I knew it was a dream at the beginning, but I was so wishing it was a reality, and and, yeah. and that Ephraim didn't have the didn't run out of bullets and was it? But um, yeah, it it just and it it. Anytime Zach shows up, and he was, he was only on it for a few minutes, but anytime I, I see or am reminded of Zach, I, I just realized that, uh, me is no longer on the show, and that really bumped me out. Yeah. 
this episode, it felt like the episode felt like it was like, hey, in case you forgot what this show was about, here's like, you know, uh, some character overviews, but we're not going to progress the story very much at all. That's what it felt like to me. Because yeah. Hacker Chick wasn't in it. Yeah. Uh, and neither was, uh, uh, the Rockefeller, old, old rich dude. So it was, it, it's, you know, I got to see the Nazi and it's weird for me to actually, you know, kind of root for a Nazi sometimes, but I, I do like him on the show. Not- yeah. I don't, rem- uh, I don't remember Icorse being this fast. No, he was. He was, he, he, was, he was superhuman fast. Well, maybe they in this episode, episode. like we're talking like Speed Force. Yeah, no, he was. was He's out racing bullets and shit. But you had, um, uh, you know, Fett was kicking ass, which was great. Um, it, it, it was a, I, I appreciated the timeline right off the bat. I know that, you know, they, as, uh, Strachan is, is doing the voiceover. He's like, it's, it's 23 days. Since right, yeah. this started. And even though, so it's been basically, so the first two seasons are about two weeks because, um, when, when Fett goes to talk to the professor, he says, you know, you've been looking at that book for a week. Now I don't take that to mean that Fett means it's been seven days since the season finale. Who just left? I don't think anybody left, did they? Yeah, Zach left. I'm here. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll get it yes. back. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, think Fett was literal when he's like, you know, it's been seven days since the end of the last season and you've been reading this book. It could have been five days. It could have been, you know, so, but it has been, it's been less than a month since this all happened. And, and we now know that it's not just happening to New York and the five boroughs. It's, it's, it has leaked in to other, other cities, other states. And, and I, that alone made me appreciate the episode pretty much more than anything else. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Um, it, my, I'm with Mario. It wasn't a very eventful episode. You, you knew the, the, the special forces were going to get chewed up because they're yeah. highly trained yeah. and effective and will, will not listen to someone who they, you know, don't think is as experienced as they are. But Fett's been in the thick of things from day one. So, okay, you're dead. But, I think Fett's going to hook up with the uh the uh what's her name oh, in charge Samantha of the Mathis. yeah oh yeah 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 because they're making the Google and eyes. yeah she's she's kind of flirty with him and and I obviously we don't because it is such a small circle because Fett calls them munchers and when she went to go talk to F and tell him he needs to shower she mentioned munchers and and he's like oh yeah you know I have a friend who says it that way and and it's so you say muncher I get it totally oh absolutely different. and, and too. Just, oh <laughs> without a doubt um but totally. I we did we didn't get a lot I mean I mean all we had was Strachan sitting behind a, a desk all all yeah a few minutes we see him so it's not it was basically just like you said Vince to remind everybody what's going on what's so what what's happened since yeah hey, both of you. Mario, that what's been going on since we last saw everybody, it hasn't been, there hasn't been much progression because apparently it's only been a week since season two. Um, but I think we're going to, I'm, I'm hoping between, um, the old man and, and it, the other players we haven't seen. I mean, we did, we didn't see the master. We, we, yeah, we did. Did we? Just for, just for a second. Was it the master? Yeah, we, we, we saw, um, something. I'm, 
Well, the 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 goth rock guy. What right. the hell is his uh, name? Boulevard. Yeah, we saw him for a second. Yeah, he looked straight up at the camera. I don't know. I don't remember what he was doing, but he was in it for like about twenty seconds. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, we're gonna see more. People. But I mean, I, I yeah, I'm I'm glad it's back. And and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see. And according to Jason, it has veered heavily away from the books, which is which is fine. I, I can appreciate no, I that because I, yeah. I I know if I decide to read the books, I know that I don't need to be told what's going to happen before I get there. So yeah, there's a big big event that happens in the books that I can't imagine them doing on TV. Oh um, really? Yeah, they I can't. I mean, it's it's like it's a plot point at the end of the second second or second book at the beginning of the third there's basically like a nuclear bomb oh that wow goes off. and it changes you I mean it changes everything you know what i mean but i can't imagine them making you know new york a, a, a burnout you know uh destroyed city it's just, it's just not gonna happen so they, i think they had to go away from that which nice i'm thing. happy i'm happy because i'd read the books and i'm happy that it's taking a little bit of turn so that you know it's not totally predictable and I have the collections from Dark Horse of, of the, of the series, so I, I will, I guess I'll read that adaptation before I actually get around to finally. Although, Jason didn't read the books, he, he listened to the adaptation with the, the, the audio books, which is, uh, narrated by Ron Perlman, so I'm kinda leaning towards that instead of actually reading the book. Cool. Yeah. There, there were a couple constants. From last season that didn't change. The kid is still a pain in the yep. ass. Uh, Ephraim's still a pussy. If, if the wife was a foot away from me and I had the means to at least wound her or take her out, I would. Yes, you would. And it. At the risk of my own life with those three little vermin that she, she had creepy. with her. I yeah, love it. I would definitely make a play for, to take her out. But I, I did, uh, I did appreciate F being zapped back to reality because while um while she is talking to him, uh the eyelids move and, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's like what the fuck am I doing talking to this chick for? So it was it but I mean that was the last thing before the the episode ended, so it it went by really quickly, but it's um no I New I, opening. We got a new yeah, opening. Right, I dug that. I I like the opening. Yeah, I think it's 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 better than the you know, the original one. Yeah. So, all right, comics proper. Comics. Zach. Yo. Speak. Uh, yeah, so you know what I read, um, and I actually just read it today, is I read, um, Noah Van Skyver's Disquiet. Oh, nice. Um, and have you guys read anything from him before? Yeah. Okay, so I, uh, I did the Kickstarter for, uh, Kilgore Books to get his new, um, to get his new, uh, book that comes in that uh, package of things that they're doing um, and I really liked uh, Fonta Bukowski that he put out last year about the about the Charles the the kid obsessed with Charles Bukowski and tries to like emulate his life um, so I picked this up because of that and he's just been somebody I've been following around and uh, this was really really good it's just a bunch of it's a collection of um, older works so I'm not sure if some of them appeared in uh, Blamo or if they were just like mini comics or something like that that were just went unpublished I, I'm just, I don't know the history of these things but uh, it's really good and it's funny and it's charming and uh, it's sad at points and it's also weird um, 
it, I think so of the whole thing, the one the the story that I liked the most out of here, there was kind of like a a navel gazely one uh, a, a called Laughing Lizard about a guy who uh, meets up with his estranged father who abandoned him at nine years old, and then um, you know hijinks ensue, and it's it's typical like. I mean, it's not autobiographical, but it's it's very typical, like, autobio-type comic, you know, thing. Um, but the one that I really liked is uh, this one called Down in a Hole, and it's funny, uh, and it's just bizarre. It's about this clown. Uh, he was, like, a TV clown, like a bozo-type character who gets uh, fired for saying fuck on the air after a kid, like, drops him in a dunk tank. So, uh, so he... So the story starts out, he's just lost and just sort of meandering around in the wilderness, and he comes across this cave, and he decides to do some spelunkling, uh, or however the fuck you say that word. Spelunking? I don't know. Um, so he goes down, down into this cave, and he falls, and like he gets all beat up uh, from the fall, and then uh, he encounters these mole people, and the mole people imprison him, because you know he's from the outside world, uh, and he learns from the mole people that tofu was originally like a mole people product that they traded with surface dwellers. Um, and, uh, you know, so he interacts and then he has to sort of murder his way out of like the land of the mole people in order to get back to the surface and what he thinks is his real life. And, you know, as the story progresses, it, it's, it's fun because it's, uh, there's one layer where you kind of feel like he's working his way out of this as sort of, you know, there's like this, uh, there's another layer to this, him trying to escape from these mole people, you know, he's escaping all of his problems. He's overcoming whatever, you know, things he's fucked up in his life up to this point. And, um, you know, and then as he's killing the mole people, he keeps telling them, you know, just ridiculous knock, knock jokes that he might've said as he, you know, while he was doing the TV clown thing. And, um, and then he escapes only to find out, you know, that, um, Things are not quite as they seem to avoid spoiling the ending, but it was really fantastic. It was probably the best story in the in the in the whole collection. Um, and there's another one at the end called Punks versus Lizards, which is just delightful and just totally up my alley because it's about scum punks, um, you know, fighting lizard like lizard men, and, <laughs> and like dinosaur people and stuff. Um, so it's just been re. It was just really good. It was a quick read, um, which was kind of a bummer because you know it's. Um, you know, it's a hardcover, you know, like 180 page, you know, OGN from, from Fana. But, uh, so it was kind of a bummer that it ended so quickly, but it, you know, the pacing felt right for each of the stories. So, um, so it's not, you know, the, the quickness of the read really isn't too much of a complaint, I guess. Um, but it was, but it was just fantastic. Um, and probably the best thing I've read all summer. So nice. Yeah. But like, like Vance Giver. Sorry, go ahead. No, Vance Giver has a really, really dark sense of humor. Yeah. The last one I read um, was Cheer Up. Have you ever read that? I haven't read Cheer Up yet. <sighs> There's a... Uh, the, I think the longest story is like maybe eight, ten pages. It, it's called Interdimensional Party Animal. <laughs> I like and it this, already. this little Mixelplick type imp comes and basically ruins the lives of these two men mm -hmm. he he takes them partying and it, it goes from bad to worse and at one point they're just like we got to get rid of this fucking guy and he the the imp agrees to go back to his dimension but the portal through which he enters his dimension was too small and he t he tells the guy well, the, the only way to make that portal bigger is you got to suck on a chollywoggle <laughs> 
And then the guy's like, what's a chollywoggle? And he drops his pants. He's like, this. And he's got this uh, tubular, serrated, like, think of a pool hose. You know, the big plastic pool hose that atta- yeah, that attaches to the vacuum cleaner. It looks kind of like that. And and it's the next panel is like, and so 25 long minutes later, and they show the portal in the background. It's real big. And one guy's throwing up into a garbage can. <laughs> It's nuts. It's so silly. See, and that's the thing that I like about him. I mean, both, like, he doesn't do it all the time, but, like, every now and then there's stories like that, and certainly, like, in his drawing style where there's just lots of, like, uh, you get lots of hints of Johnny Ryan in there. But, like, yeah. But, like, a like a really toned-down Johnny Ryan. Um, oh, his his humor's very dark. Yeah. And um, I think there's, there's a lot of crumb in his work. Not as elegant as crumb but that same um very intense um line approach to shading and stuff and uh he's like a more relaxed crumb yeah i agree with that too and, and yeah. uh, you can really see you can really see it. And especially like in the more artsy stuff and the things that are more i mean even though they're silly they're, they're as much they're as biting they're biting social critiques like a lot of sure. crumb stuff was too uh particularly like the bukowski um uh stories i mean i mean that's there's just a lot going on there besides making fun of, you know, people that are obsessed with Charles Bukowski. Right. Um, uh, yeah, there's just... I think that's one of the reasons I've been just so hooked on this guy for the last, like, year or so. is because there's just... Every time I read something from him, it's never surface level. There's always two or three additional things going on with either the art or the narrative itself there's just there's lots of things to think about and explore and it's just never plain it's yeah. it's the exact opposite of his brother's stuff like 100 180 degrees different from Ethan's stuff I agree yeah. so I did not know they were the other brothers I didn't either and I couldn't believe it like I had to confirm it through like a third party because the styles and the approaches to comics are so different right yeah but anyway, so yeah, Disquiet was was by far and away the best thing I've read this summer, and um, it was just really, really outstanding. So if people haven't picked this up or they're not familiar with Noah Van Skyver stuff, you fucked up. Like, fix that. So he, he makes amends for all the trees killed for the the Flash and the Green Green Lanterns. <laughs> he does. He really does. <laughs> He's gone above and beyond. Yeah. And because the book's from Fantagraphics, it smells so good. I, sm- I spent so much time smelling this book. It's it's really it's really. Weird. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always smelling sexy. Books. It's super sexy. I was sitting at the park today at the girls' soccer practice smelling this book. So. Yeah, you didn't get any, any kind of police calls on you that day. Nope. <laughs> nope. They asked me what I was doing. I said I'm just catching Pokemons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! There's a bubble bar over there. Excuse me. <laughs> it's it's epidemic. At this point, my kids do it all the time. I saw. I have I to. I saw a study this week that's uh, earlier in the week that said that the the users has dropped like drastically in the last I don't know like ten days or something. Really? Yeah. I have to alter my routes to cross gyms and or like pokey stops. Really? Mm-hmm. They they just love it. Yeah, my kids do the same thing. Like they're always demanding to get on uh, on my phone and and do it and catch and catch whatever's around. So, 
and God forbid the, the thing locks or freezes. Oh, it's like hell. Yeah. Cry, cries of anguish from the back seat. <laughs> yeah. All right, more comics. I have something that's all surface. Ooh. Yes, let's hear that because mine's not. But it's a good kind of surface. Uh, written by John Lehman. Oh, well, that's all right. Illustrated by Chris Mooneyham. Come on. Color art by Michael Attier. And the covers were done by the great Glenn Fabry. It's a joint publication between IDW and Dark Horse. Do you know what it is? I do. And I was waiting for the trade, so that's why I didn't buy the, uh, I didn't order the single issues. Oh. Something, something aliens or predator. It's true. Oh. It's both. It's, uh, predator yeah. versus Judge Dredd versus uh, aliens. Oh, yeah. Is that new? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, two just came yeah, out. Yeah. I won't get too far into it, but the plot is thick. There's a lot going on, but it's, it's all surface. It's fun. It's Judge Dredd, yeah. right? Uh, it starts off, there's a predator on the run and it's bleeding. What could harm a predator, right? It's running through the forest. Ah, well, it's not doing that, but, um, and, and it's brought down. It's actually felled by a pack of human animals straight out of HG Wells, Island of Dr. Moreau, right? There's a, there's a ram guy. There's a bear. Like there's a, a monkey guy. They're animals, but they're anthropomorphic. And these creatures, we later learn, were, were genetically engineered by one Dr. Reinstadt, who Dredd has a past with. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. They, they bring down the predator. And while they're doing that, they loot the ship's trophy room. And what do you think was among the skulls hanging on his wall? An alien. A xenomorph skull. There always is one, right? Every predator ship has to have a xenomorph skull. It's like the, it's like the shift without the skull on it or, you know, the, the fuzzy dice hanging from the mirror. It has to have a xenomorph skull. So the, then we cut to Judge Dredd and he's blazing across the cursed earth. Uh, not alone. He's got other judges with him. One in particular, he's got Judge Anderson with him. Cy Judge Anderson is, is along for the ride to help out with deciphering things should he need her. Um, but they're chasing down these cultists, robot-worshipping apocalypse cultists, and they're somewhere in the cursed earth. Uh, the other judge he's got with him is called Judge Gilligan. <laughs> I'm like, where's oh, Judge shit, Skip? Yeah. <laughs> Where he at? Right? But uh, they, Judge Anderson roots them out. Um, and I think we should play... A Judge Dredd drinking game. Oh. Right yes. now? Whenever, no, whenever you oh. read Judge Dredd and Cy Judge Anderson's in it and she touches her temples, you got to drink. But that's her because power. How else does she would, activate it? Okay. <laughs> you would be silly drug at the end of a, a long work. Well, anyway, um, Judge Anderson roots out the, uh, the cultists. They have these holo inducers that make them look like cursed earth mutants. But the jig is up. Dredd takes him down, but he misses one. He misses the main man. Archbishop Emoji. Emoji? You gotta, Archbishop Emoji. You gotta see this guy. He's got like papal regalia and a monitor for a face. And as he's running away from Dredd, he's, he's yelling LOL, ROFL, 
T T Y L. Like he speak he speaks in text yeah. speak. And um they he unfortunately gets away from dread. Where do you think he goes? To the section of the cursed earth in which the predator was brought down. It's called the Alabama Morass. You know the cursed earth is the United States, right? In, yes. in uh yeah. So um the doctor who has experimented on himself too. He's got some spider DNA going on. He's got four eyes, nasty hands. Uh, he uses the DNA from the xenomorph skull and he reverse engineers a face hugger. So automatically, you know, this is not going to end well, right? Especially when a sizable group of predators arrive in answer to their fallen brother's distress call. It's it's crazy. There's so many things going on. This is all the first issue. It's all the first Holy issue. Shit. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ! And Mooneyham, staggeringly awesome. This guy is incredible. I mean, we said it during Five Ghosts, but it's a com. The art's a combination. Uh, and it's all Mooneyham, but there are traces of Sal Basima and Joe Kubert. Mm-hmm. As if they were inked by Klaus Janssen. It's absolutely stunning. There's a, a double page spread in issue two, I believe. Let me see. I think it's issue two. It is issue two. Where Dread and Dread's on the Lawmaster, right? And he's, they're, they're going through the forest and, and Judge Gilligan's doing a wheelie in the background. Judge Anderson's on the side with the, uh, um, another Lawmaster and the Archbishop emojis in the foreground. It's incredible. It's just the, the foliage, the perspective, the action, the, the rendering. I, this guy, he just blows me away. Every time I see a Mooneyham piece, I'm, I'm stunned. And there's a bar. There's a, there's been spreads in issue one and two. There's a bar at the top of the page with a, a judge helmet in the dirt, in the gutter, a middle of the page is, um, a xenomorph egg all open. And on the right hand side, it's a predator helmet. It's just great. It's it's just fantastic. I definitely so can't much. see. I definitely can't see it, Cubert uh, mm. in his work. You can. Yeah, not you say that, and I'm I mean I'm not yeah. looking anything right now, but I'm picturing stuff that I've seen like Five Ghosts and and other stuff. Yeah, there's definitely Cubert in there. Yeah, there's a. I never thought uh, about that before, but yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, there's a big panel when the predators arrive. They're they're scoping out the the foliage and they're they're looking at tracks and stuff and they're all standing there and they have all different kind of armor on it's not so much joe as it is andy there's a lot of and the kubert family as a whole yeah but this panel specifically looks like andy kubert which i mean if you're going to be compared to someone andy kubert's you know that's a great person to be compared to because solid draftsman great sequential artist i i like i mean not to slight andy but I think Mooneyham has a a grittier air to his work that gives him a little bit of an edge to me. Um, Andy can be a little too pretty sometimes. Yeah, a little too. But Mooneyham is just—it's raw, and I love it. I have to say, I've never been able to get in a Dread, Judge Dread anything Judge Dread before. I've tried why? to read Judge Dread, and I've never been able to get into it. Huh. I don't know why. It just does not, it does not click with me at all. It's, maybe if you, maybe if I add in aliens and predator, it will. 
Yeah. And I know that the case files, like, I don't think you can kind of go from the beginning and, and try to just read it chronologically. I'm pretty sure that there are just a good chunk of stories that are kind of like, like when someone says, uh, when, when, uh, someone's like, here are the five best Doctor Who episodes, you know, that, that'll tell you everything you need to know without having to go back and watch something from the sixties. And I, I know that, uh, I, I have the, um, that was the, the case files, the fifth book. I don't know the first four, but I know that the stories in the fifth book are the ones that really kind of scream dread to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to read dread sequentially. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think that's necessary at all. Because a lot of the stories are like eight page done in ones. That's it. There's very yeah. little that actually continues from one thing. You just, you know the world he's living in. You know the people he's, he works with. Everything Joe, you need. Joe's a very one dimensional character. Yes. Yeah. He, he's the Punisher. To the nth degree. He's, he's the, he's the Punisher with Lady Justice in the back of his mind. Like the, the Punisher works outside of the system. Dread is all system. He serves the law. Well, he is the law, but it's within the guidelines. Like when, when he apprehends a perp, he, he knows the, the, uh, incarceration times for Everything, every, every misdemeanor, every, you know, and he'll tell you, okay, you just earned another 20 years in, in solitary for that. Like he, he's, he's a walking book of the law. He's, but he's the anti- He will kill you. Yeah. He's the, yeah. he's the anti-superhero. Right. Right. He will kill you. Yeah. So, um, like one dimension, you know what you should read, Mario? The Cursed Earth Saga. It's fun. There's dinosaurs in it. Um, mutants. Yeah. And it's, I think Dread has an edge because he's on the law, he's on a motorcycle. Like that's even cooler. It's the Punisher and Ghost Rider together with a little bit of, um, I don't know, Super Cop. You know, it's, it's, I think Dread is amazing. Dread never fails to, to excite me on some level because Escara, he's great. Yeah. I mean, Brian Boland is great. I, I, I've never read a Dread um, story that originated from 2000 AD that wasn't visually stunning. Once DC started mucking around with Dread and like, the, you know, and we were doing the stories over here, not so great. But the 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 native stuff is amazing. I mean, I love the movie. I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Oh, come on. No, what? but Dread, not the Sylvester Stallone. Oh, I thought you meant the, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm talking about the one with Rob Schneider. Yes, I love the yes, one with Rob Schneider. Yes, of course. Well, that's, that's Vince's favorite. Rob <laughs> Schneider was the best oh, part of that it, movie. stop it. I am the law. <sighs> yeah. It was, it's like, don't wear your helmet. Don't wear the but helmet. The McCoy, <laughs> the McCoy Dread movie was great. Yeah, that, that's awesome you call him McCoy. I love well, him. He is McCoy. I he love was you. I know you do. That's tell me. So this is IDW and Dark Horse. It's I think it's three ninety nine. It's it's worth every penny. Yeah, I believe it. It is. How many hammers? I believe it's four, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh uh, wait, is it six? Is, yeah, they may be six. Be yeah, because uh, I'm looking at uh, for Fabry's uh, signature on the cover of issue number two, and it says Glenn Fabry, two of six. You sure it doesn't F- say twenty sixteen? <gasps> it, 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 I'm such a dick. <laughs> I 
I am so stupid. Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Oh, shit. This is going on the clip episode. Best moment ever. Oh my god. 2016. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody playing I love you anymore. So, I, I think the, um, Stupid. Oh God, you're the best. It's difficult. Mooneyham was doing some fantastic stuff on the uh, the the Fire and Stone. Oh my God, yeah. So, I mean, he's the dude's a beast. He's an old soul. Yeah, he, he approaches the craft like the guys were doing in the seventies. That you've just elevated yourself way, way, way up to the top of my list when you do that. And he doesn't. He's not aping anybody. It's just the feeling. Right. His art. It's amazing. And when I say I drop the names Basima and, and Kubert, the traces are there, but I'm sure he doesn't, he's not cribbing from the works of those gentlemen. He's, he, this is pure Mooneyham, but you can't escape your influences. No. Surely he'll tell you that. That's true. Right? right. There you go. That's true. So what else do we have? Well, Mario says his is anti-surface, so I'm dying to hear what that is. What it is, Mario? Um, I read <laughs> Trump something. Roll, what, was that? what was that? It's I'm the pretty sure, to your tears. I'm pretty sure it's my kids you... upstairs. One of them maybe fell from a balcony. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. They She's resilient. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I read um, something that I've actually had in my possession for uh, quite some time since the beginning of the year. Um, but I never got around to reading and I read it about a week and a half ago. So I thought I'd talk about it cause I really enjoyed it. Um, I read the, I think it's the newest book from this person. I don't think he's had another one out since earlier this year, but it's the newest book from, uh, Michael DeForge and it's from John quarterly comics and it's big kids. Anybody else read big kids? No, I don't even have that one yet. Big kids, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's tough to tell with DeForge's, when you say DeForge's latest work, it's really hard to tell because I swear he puts two and three out at a time sometimes. He puts a lot of stuff out. From different publishers. And it's just like, what? Yeah. I can't keep track of you, man. Right. Um, but this, this one came out from John Quarterly, um, earlier this year. I actually picked it up at, um, you know what? I picked it up at, uh, Zach when we went to Quimby's. Wow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when we went to Quimby's at C2E2, that's when I picked it up. Um, but, you know, it's it's very typical of other DeForge work. Um, I, I like it better than um, the one with the deer on the cover, which was the previous one that I read, and I can't think of what it's called. Um, but, yeah, and apparently this, apparently this was the first, his first um, graphic novel that, Nothing had been released previously because he releases a lot of stuff online, you know, like uh, like maybe like previews here and there. But this was the first thing that he didn't release online, none of it online previously. But it's um, it's how to explain it. It's basically a coming of age story. Um, uh, it's a it's a character, um, and he starts out. He's a, he's a young kid. And, um, he, uh, he's in a, uh, he's a, he's, he's gay and he's in a relationship with another boy at school. 
Um, so, you know, obviously, very deforged, like it starts out with a, with a blowjob with him sucking this dude's dick. <laughs> um, I'm in. Yeah, you're in. I know you're in. Um, so, um, I, I'm trying to figure out what the kid's name is. I don't even see it. I, I, what is his name? I don't even, maybe they don't even, you know what? You know what? They don't even say his name until the end. I just remembered. They, they, they kind of like say his name at the end. You're like, oh, they didn't say it the whole time. Anyway, um, coming of age, he, um, you know, he's, he's dating this kid and that, you know, he gets beat up and they, they, other kids torture him and stuff. And, uh, eventually, um, he, after having sex with this boy for the first time, he has this, there's a, it's almost like a transformation. Where he all of a sudden doesn't look like himself anymore. He's now like messed up deforged art with like weird squiggly lines and a deformed head and a thin body. And he turns into a tree is basically what he's supposed to be. Um, and it's, it's weird because his name's Adam. Adam is his name. Um, he transforms into this tree. Um, and all the all the colors change in the book. It goes from this, at first it's just this pink, pink and yellow color palette, and then he turns into this tree and it's like crazy, crazy colors. But it's pretty much an idea that like when you, it's he's he's past the point of no return. He's 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 grown up. He sees the world differently now, right? And he sees other people, and there and some people are trees, you know, and some people aren't. Some people are, are look like twigs. Like his dad is a twig. Um, his mom is a tree. Uh, uh, he meets this other kid that his, his boyfriend breaks up with him for, and he's, and he is a tree, and they end up hooking up. But I mean, it's crazy, crazy. It's, 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 I don't even, I mean, it, the, the Forge is definitely playing with, like, geometry and line and color in this. Um, yeah. uh, there's a really cool part where he, uh, he's, he's sh- like, kids listening to music and it, it, the way that DeForge depicts him listening to music is, is it, there's a physical form to the music the, as the kids listening to it. It's this like multi-limbed creature running across the water as, towards Adam and then it latches on to Adam and crawls up to him and it's spitting in his ear and spitting in his ear and spitting in its ear. And that's like, that's music. Um, it's 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 wacky. Um David does that to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um so like I think that what the forge is getting at, like it feels like he's trying to say he's trying to articulate emotional change. And he's doing that visually, right? Um the kid is kind of growing up, but he, but you know, you can't show that in comics. So he's showing an actual visual change to to pinpoint um what's happening in this kid. And each page is just six panels on each page. The dimensions are very, very tiny on this book. They're like, you know, four and a half by three, you know, or not maybe, maybe four and a half by five or, or around then. It's very small. It's a hardcover though. It is right? a hardcover. It is a yeah. hardcover. It's a great, I mean, John and Corley, they really understand, I think the importance of the, the, the makeup of a physical comic. And the appeal of a physical comic. Because each book they put out is like really, really well designed. Each one has like a really distinct 
look and uh, and feel. And Big Kids isn't any different. It fits really nice in your hand. It's got like a it's got a matte hardcover binding. It's it's very sturdy. It's got and it's got texture to it, but it's it's little. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah, but the uh, just looking through it, the um, there's a lot there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of guilt. I don't. There's a lot of guilt yeah. in Forge's work. It feels like. Oh yeah, Probably, big right? time. Yeah, and it, it definitely comes through. It definitely comes through in here. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that he gets across what he's trying to get across in the in. The, it's I don't know how many pages it is. It's I'm not sure how many pages it is. Maybe the uh, page, the book I, you were looking for with the deer on the cover. Yeah. Or or DeForge's version of a deer, it's called very casual. Yes, very casual. Yes, very casual. Um, I mean, it's it's this book is it's surreal though. Um, it's really pretty. Um, I don't. Are you give a too much? I don't want to give too much of it away because I think that the journey. I right. mean, it's the plot itself is not much. So in order for me to talk about what's going on, I have to talk about the journey, and the, but the journey is what is amazing. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he, he plays with different styles. Um, at one point he's, the kid is, is watching TV and TV still looks the same because anything that is, any drawing, any piece of art that was done, it, it looks like it originally looked like it wouldn't transform. So like he's watching TV and they don't look like trees on TV. He's watching a cartoon and the kid doesn't look like a, a tree. You know what I mean? And he doesn't look like a twig. Or, or what the other everybody else looks like at that point, um, and I don't know what he's, he's saying something there about art that it doesn't you know, art when it's created doesn't change it's it stays what it is. You know? So, so I guess I have a question about this, and it might sound naive or silly because I haven't read this, um, but the kid's name is you said the kid's name's Adam, right? Yes, right. And, yeah. he, and he's surrounded by trees. I mean, does that is there like I like, mean, you mean like illusions going I mean, on there? Like it's not, it kind of sounds like biblical stuff. I mean, isn't everything slightly biblical? Well, sure, but I mean, it, it seems, <laughs> unfortunately, but I mean, yeah. it seems pretty on the nose with the. I mean, the kid being named Adam, and then he's looking around. Right. At I mean, there, there's 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 a fall from innocence, you know. Yeah. He's, he's, he's grow- I mean, it's about growing up. Um, it's about coming of age and. Um, Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the events. You'll be the only person that likes this. There's a point where his 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 asshole boyfriend. Um, <laughs> is they're, they're fooling around and, uh, the, the Adam comes on his, on his own hand and then the boyfriend makes him lick it off. <laughs> I mean, it. and not, 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 not in a sexual way, but in like a, just a pure, like, asshole way. Yeah, not in a sexual way at all. No. <laughs> Are you a DeForge completist? Like myself? No, I am not. Okay. Um, for those who are or want to be, did you know, I, I've brought this woman's name up a bunch of times on the show because I love her work, Mickey Sakili. DeForge frequently does um, small run risograph printed comics with Mickey Zakili and uh, I think Patrick Kyle too. And like say, you know, an edition of 400 and they're maybe five bucks. Yeah, they're great stuff. And, it, and it's all in the deford zone like they're all very very strange and and disconcerting and the thing that kills me about deforge is he can eke out these 
incredibly powerful feelings of revulsion from me and he does it with such a clean line oh yeah like yeah he's not going because i I think it's easier if if you want to disturb somebody it's easier to go in and be all sloppy and brushy and nasty and uh, expressionistic but when you have a clean line you're relying entirely on the design to disturb and that's even harder isn't it like his characters are very often nothing more than a circle with two dots and maybe a little mark for the mouth and it's like this thing is creeping me out, but there's really not all that much to it. It's minimalism at 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 the purest sense of the word. Sure, I mean, there's he's, a there's a sex scene in here between Adam and uh, his his new boyfriend who was previously dating his old boyfriend. Um, but they're you know they're in their tree form, and it's like it's like two vines having sex, right? It, there, there's there's nothing. There's no, as you're looking at, it, there's nothing to say like, oh, here's here's where the penetration is happening, and here's you know what I mean, or anything like that. I need the penetration to be explicit, but <laughs> but at the same time, it gives you an ultimate feeling of they fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, one's green and one's pink, right? Um, well, there's a bunch of different ones. There's, uh, I mean, he is pink. The main, the Adam is pink. Um, he, there's another girl that's green. Um, the person he's dating, uh, is yellow. Um, yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, it starts out the, I mean, the first 10 or 20 pages is just, it's just pink and yellow. Yeah. And so I'm looking at the cover now and it's like, Adam, they look, those swimmies that you put on the kids so they don't drown. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has something like that on his arms and they look almost like, Bunches of flowers, or they could, they could be, oh, but they could be lungs. It could be like a circulatory system in a brain. You know, it's just, it's, there's, there's a lot of different things going on here. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't have this yet because I'm stupid. It's good. I, it's, it's, I go back and scoop. It's 17 bucks for 96 pages. Um, it's not, I'm not sure what it is on like Amazon or anything, but, um, it's, it, I know it, it probably took me 30 minutes to read it. Um, but you know, you could look at it for, you could look at it for days. Yeah. Study it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm with you. I've noticed a trend among the smaller publishers like Tron and Quarterly and, uh, you know, Fanagraphics used to be, you'd get flat 35% off on Amazon. Not anymore. Nope. No, no, they've been, they've been really cutting those discounts. It's uh, it's thirty six percent off on Amazon right now, so that's good. Is it's, is it really ten ninety? Oh, I'm yeah, I'm getting ten it. bucks. You drop a but then I drop a Hamilton on it. Yeah, then I have to no, I gotta spend thirty because I I'm all about that free shipping. You're not a Prime member. Um, my wife is. There you go then. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Because then if I use hers, then it'll come up in her thing that she bought this, and she'd be like, "What? I didn't buy this. I don't want any of that. Nah, <laughs> oh, no, eat that shit." Oh. Uh, yeah, what's what? that like, Vince? That sucks. <laughs> That's what it does. All right. So, yes, Michael DeForge, he's awesome. He is amazing. Fantastic. Highly Let's talk. Yeah. Anybody else? David, we have yet to hear in depth from you. That could be delivered. It could. It better. No, that you haven't heard. Oh. Um... Well, oh boy. No, I mean, we could probably talk 
some Superman by one particular writer. Maybe. Do it. Do it. I don't want to be the only one. I bet that our guests have read it. Wait. Wait a second, though. <laughs> it's <asked> you. <laughs> I, I, I tried. Well, no, let's talk about... the. Uh, you guys have read For the Man Who Has Everything, yes? The great Alan Moore Superman story? Yes. Oh. Of course, yeah. See? So, David, have at it. I, I have read it, too. Good. Just not, not recently. Jesus. Damn, <laughs> all right. That's not the only story in this book. No, no. There's, um, what's the other one? Um, there's a bunch. Uh, there's, there's the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, the two parts. Right. And there's an, there's an issue DC of... DC Comics Rick Presents uh, with Swamp Thing, yes. Superman and Swamp Thing. Uh, so, basically, all of these stories are in the... Uh, Alan Moore, Alan Moore Superman, whatever happened, uh, to the man of tomorrow. Um, although on the, on the cover it's Alan Moore and Kurt Swan, even though, uh, Kurt only drew two of the issues, one inked by George Perez, one inked by Kurt Schaffenberger. Um, the Rick Veach drawn story from DC Comics presents and Dave Gibbons drawing the annual for the man who has everything, which is one of the better uh, Superman stories ever told. Um, and it has actually been adapted into uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Yeah, that episode was great. Yes. Um, and for some reason, I always thought it that episode was written by Warren Ellis, but it is actually James A. Mateus, which is also... Fine, better than fine. He did. So that's that's a good thing. Anyway, um, for the man who has everything, basically is uh, about Superman's birthday and the uh, Batman and Robin. This Robin, unfortunately, is Jason Todd and Wonder Woman show up at the Fortress of Solitude to bring. To bear gifts. They're, they're, they're bringing Superman presents for his birthday. Uh, unfortunately, it's, unfortunately, it's Jason Todd. Yes. <laughs> you want to talk biblical. Uh, right? So, the, uh, when they, when, when, when our heroes arrive, it appears that Superman already opened up a gift. And this gift is actually attached, um, to his chest. And what Wonder Woman and, and Batman and Robin aren't aware of, uh, is that Superman is in a trance, which they can physically see, but they're, they're not, they don't know what's going on with Superman. Uh, he is actually pretty much, um, dreaming. This, this, there's a, a plant, a flower called uh, the Black Mercy, and it is, is attached itself to Superman's chest, uh, wrapped its uh, vines around his neck and his arms, and basically living off of Superman, but it is it is uh, putting Superman in a, like a dream state, and he's living out his, his life, what, what he would like, to what he would like his life to be, and that would still be on Krypton and and be married with children, and and uh, the Krypton never blew up. Jor El, um, the Jor El we know didn't grow up to be 
an old dick. But in this book, he he did. So while all of this is happening, Batman and, and Wonder Woman are trying to snap Superman out of it. But who should appear but uh, Finn, um, Mongol, who is the person who gifted Superman the Black Mercy and is basically just trying to destroy Superman while our heroes are fighting Mongol. Superman is trying to um, fight back, fight against this uh, this dream he's living. And it's a... I like Dave Gibbons drawing Batman. I like his Mongol. I do like his Superman. Not a fan of the man's Wonder Woman. Mm. Too beefy? Little bit. Little, little hippie. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, he, he can definitely, he sucks you on, sucks you in when, when you're looking, I mean, you go back to Watchmen, go back to, go back to the Green Lantern stuff. I mean, you, you, you get that when he's putting something down on a page, you, you feel it, but some of the characters just do not give me that sense of, um, of all. I don't look at Wonder Woman and, and, and look at this, Amazon beauty, this, this, what, what, what so many others can basically make look like a, a goddess that's, that's missing here. But that's, that's not important. It's not enough where it, it stops the story and, and, and I can't look at anything else. It's, you can tell it's Wonder Woman. You can continue to read the story and, and still get everything out of it. Uh, it's just if, if that is my, really my only nit with, with this particular story is, is just the way, um, Wonder Woman looks, but I mean, even, even with, with Watchmen, there are some panels with, with Silk Spectre, which are not jaw droppingly beautiful. So, um, but overall, I mean, when I read the story originally way back when, uh, it's, it's definitely one that I, I've probably triple dipped on. I've had the annual, I have it digitally, um, I, this collection, obviously. So it's, it's definitely one of the, like I said, one, one of the better, Superman story. And the other thing is, Alan Moore loves to, when you read the other stories in this collection, Alan Moore loves to take Hal to the dark side. He just, if, if he can bring some, something dark into Cal's life, he, he's going to do it, whether it's in a story with Swamp Thing or in whatever happens to the man of tomorrow, because you have his loved ones dying. In this story, Cal has to, Superman has to do things he would never have done in all the years prior to this particular story. And, um, it's, I don't know if anyone other than Alan Moore could kind of take him to this, these places and make it believable, make it actually fit in the whole Superman mythos. My favorite two panels in the entire story are it's after the the conflict has resolved and Wonder Woman gives him the present and Superman and Wonder Woman kiss and Batman's in the back like tapping his foot Robin's checking his watch you know what yes. I mean? and uh Superman goes hey that was that was pretty nice why don't we do that more often you never ever see Superman say things like that never <laughs> And and the thing that gets me is Wonder Woman says, I don't know, too predictable. <laughs> You're probably right. You're and probably right. Y- you can show this to 
the people who thought it was a good idea in the new 52. And it's just like, Alan Moore warned you against this. Yes. Yep. D- decades ago. Yep. So, and Superman says, yeah, you're probably right. I really like the very so. beginning where, um, uh, Jason meets, Jason Todd meets Wonder Woman for the first time. And <laughs> he's all, he's all nervous and freaking out. And Batman says, uh, think clean chop. <laughs> Think clean thoughts, chum. Yes. Yeah. As he walks away, Batman has like a little, a little, a little smile on his face. It's, it's great. Yeah. See, that was the thing about the episode um, that worked of the Justice League um, Unlimited. They totally removed Robin from the story. Yeah. And I and I thought the the story worked way better without Robin. And that's the one that's the, what kind of saves everybody, right? Yeah, in the original story, yeah, but in in the the cartoon, they also took out some of the darker elements, right. like with Kara and, and, cause it's really, was really unnecessary, right? For the cartoon. You don't want kids to see kind of, that kind of stuff. Cause, I mean, it exists in the real world. We don't need it in our entertainment. But this is different. This is Alan Moore writing this. Um, and I, they both work on, on, they push different buttons for me. Uh, I like the episode because I think, the pairing of Batman and Wonder Woman works better than the pairing of Wonder Woman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Like through the entire Justice League Unlimited, there are hints yeah. in like every other episode of Batman and Wonder Woman being together. Yeah. That relationship makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah. yeah. And it, it look how well it worked in the Obsidian Age. Yeah. I, I agree it, with that. It's just, it's, it's a natural because he's not super powered and she is and she would, Normally not, like, I don't see, other than being a friend, I don't see Diana having any interest in Cal. Yeah. Because, because he's, he's a warrior of her level. Yeah. And, and beyond, right? She's not, she'd be like, whatever, I've, I've seen that a million times where Bruce gets by just by being a really smart athletic dude. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're more similar, like, uh, intellectually too, right? Right, right. She, yeah. she, Batman has her ruthlessness when she has to be, yeah. and Cal doesn't have that. Yeah, and he's is, got. Is Mongol still? Is he still represented this large? Because I feel like he's really large in this. Yeah, if you go by the action figures, he is. Yeah. The the DC Direct action figures, the Mongols, huge. Yeah. But they did size him down for the the uh, the burn Superman, didn't they, David? I don't remember him being gigantic in the Burn Superman. I don't remember seeing too often in the Burn Superman. Well, the Burn era Superman, the triangle. Um, no, probably not this large. May have may have scaled him down a bit. I think the sun is even bigger. Yeah, I think he is. Is the Mongol sun's pretty huge? But have we seen? Now this is going to sound bad. Have we seen Mongol in the New Fifty Two? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I. Don't remember. I don't think I read anything of New Fifty Two with him in it, or at least nothing that stands out. Hmm. There's something about Triangle Era Superman comics that oh, really push my. It's like an endorphin. It's a sweet spot, man. It really it it all the chemicals dump into my bloodstream, and it's just like chocolate, happy time. See, I mean. I- I guess I've known you felt that way about the character, you know, for a long time because um, it's, it's not an, uh, just from knowing you, I guess. But I, I tend to, well, like when I read the character, like 
I don't get necessarily bored by it, unless it's like Silver Age stuff, where it's just batshit crazy, kooky stuff. I'm moving a moon! All the, yeah, I, mean, like, <laughs> I, I love that stuff, because it just doesn't make sense, and they don't pretend that it needs to make sense, right? It doesn't need to make comics, should be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah exactly, particularly when you're dealing with people in tights, right? They should be ridiculous, and, and that's fine. Um, but uh, I, I, I tend to sort of veer more towards what David was saying. Like when I'm reading Superman stuff, like I like the art, like there's been so many great people that have drawn the character, but like when it comes to like developing the character, I need like that deft hand like Alan Moore has where you can add in sort of like these dark, like these darker moments or these complex moments without completely throwing that sort of silver age Kurt Swan character out the window, you know? And I just, and uh, part of the, like, and I don't dislike any of that Triangle Era stuff at all. And I don't dislike Burn stuff, but where the Burn stuff just sort of falls flat for me is it just, it doesn't, there's just, it just feels like there's something missing. He's trying to marvelize the character when it needs to be both. It's too know? human. Yeah, it's it's too human. I don't want Superman yeah. to be human. I want him to be crazy, but I want as like... I mean, arrogantly, I suppose, but like, I want as a, as a sophist- more sophisticated reader, I want some complexity in the character, and I just rarely find that outside of these more stories. Rarely. Yeah, Byrne gets a lot of props, especially from David and myself, for revitalizing Superman, and he did. Yeah, he in- he instilled a lot of new energy into the into the character. A lot of new readers came on, but let's be honest, the Byrne Superman is. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Jack Kirby's Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. You had Cadmus, the Newsboy Legion, the Guardian, like all that. And th- that wasn't pure burn. No. That started to trickle in towards the end of Burns' run. And then, of course, when Jurgens and company took it over, then they really embraced it. But it's, it's all Kirby. Yeah. David, you agree? I do. And it's with, um, with the burn stuff and, uh, um, there are days where I'm bummed his, I know Mario doesn't feel this way, but, but there are days where I'm, I'm bummed where that his run on the character ended sooner than I think he would have liked. Yeah. Everybody would have liked the, uh, but I appreciate the, after years of the, the silly, it was nice for me because burn after, Doing what he did with Fantastic Four and, and, and the Hulk and, and other characters at Marvel to have him now come to DC to work on their flagship and kind of ground in a little bit more reality where, you know, it's, there's, there's a slight force field around him, which is, so it's not so much that his skin is impenetrable, but it's the other effects of the yellow sun and uh, not have, you know, the cape so Kryptonian cloth. So that it's like super stretchy and, and, and he's not moving the moon anymore. And uh, I appreciated that element. Unfortunately though, when you do that and you try to kind of make the physics and the science work in Superman's world, in the real world, then you lose other things like, like the whole legion of superheroes without Superboy, what happens to them? And, and then what I think because I think Byrne had Superman kill a little too early. Uh, the character wasn't revamped for more than a year and change before he already, you know, 
does the one thing that he swore he'd never do. And now he's going into exile. And, and of course that just gave the other writers an opportunity to, to tell other stories with the character and then bring us further into the whole bring us triangle back. era. Right. So, I mean, it all, it, it's, they, they made omelets out of the eggs, but it, it's, it's the, the, um, that's a neat segue because I'm not interrupt. Oh, I am interrupting you because Maxima leads to Mongol, which leads to battle world, which leads to what we're talking about. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, but it's, it, yes, I, I love the old world's finest, the old Superman family stuff. I, I, I enjoy, you know, reading a 12 page story where Superman defeats Luther, some crazy scheme and, and, but I am quite happy with what Byrne gave us, which gave us the weekly books and, and, and everything else. And, and now that that character is pretty much back in the, uh, in the new 52, but it's when it comes to, you know, if, if you're going to have one writer write a couple of, of Superman stories, um, there's because of the tone and, and the, the stories more, was writing with Superman. It, it's they're not they're not hitting just the same note. They're not they're not one note stories. Or oh, it's dark and and people are dying and and it's, you know it's, it's the worst of the character. And but he it, it's Alan Moore, so you're not going to get a story where you know at the end everybody's kind of. I mean, yeah, you get that little wink at the end of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, but you, you're not going to get Alan Moore is not going to write a story where. Where Superman and Lois and Perry and Jimmy and, and Lana are all sitting around a table laughing, remembering about the good old days when, when crypto ripped the, the pajamas off a baby or something. It's, it's just, you're, you're not, you know, it's, that's, that's, Al have, you know, crypto biting the baby and that, but it's, it's, yeah. you know, so, it, but no, I, but he's not going to undo that though either. Right. 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 Yeah. I think, I think, I, I, I think that's like the, I think that's like the hard, like, that's that sort of like weird, like tricky area to navigate that Alan Moore does so well. Like he doesn't negate any of that silly, goofy, weird ass shit, right? But gives no, you because he, lo- he loves that shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, but he that's gives you his, that's support. his Superman. Right. And that's exactly what he says in the, um, when, uh, in the introduction of, of the collection, it's not, um, is it Carlin who wrote the intro? But he, when he said that, um, when the, uh, Cupperberg. Was it Cupperberg? Mm-hmm. When, yeah, so when he, cause he was the editor, he's taking over from Julie Schwartz, um, and he had to, you know, he was trying to figure out who was going to write the last Superman stories because Crisis was ending and, and Superman was being rebooted and Burn was coming on, but we need to finish up these ongoing series, Alan Moore basically threatened him and says there, nobody else can write the last issue of, of Superman in action comics. So, and, and yes, be, and it's because of that, because the, those two issues, you have the toy man and the prankster and, and, and crypto and, and the crypto, you have all these characters in it that are, you can look at them. I mean, the, the big bad at the end who was pulling all the strings was the silliest character in, in pretty much all of Superman's, stories from way back when but 
because of all of those older stories, more makes this, this final Superman story work. And, and it's, yeah, so it's because of the love of the material, uh, it, that it just, it, it just works. Yeah. Yeah. I think what more does, does with this stuff, and especially with like, you know, um, uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and I mean, any of that stuff is that he loves this original stuff. So, I mean, I love the, the silver age Superman stories where he's like got a different power, every, every story. And he's doing all this wacky, crazy stuff. I think, you know, he has a head of a lion or whatever. I, I love all those stories. And that, those are, I mean, those are probably more Superman stories that he grew up with. Right. So he, he takes all that stuff and he says, I'm going to do all this same exact stuff, but the only difference is, is someone could die now. Like that, I feel like that's all he does is he says, here's all this crazy stuff, but, uh, Jimmy could die or crypto's going to die or death is definitely a possibility. It's like he just injects that one bit of realism to up the stakes and then all that silliness is still silly, but at the same time, it's, it, 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 the silly can go from silly to fucking frightening. Because, yeah. like, Mixapidlic is cr- <laughs> silly as can be. Yeah. But if, but if he starts killing people, he's just, cr- I mean, it, it's frightening. It's a frightening he, thing. Right. The Schaffenberger Swan Mixapidlic is disturbing. He's like an overgrown man child. Yeah. It's not cartoony at all, right. like we've seen. It's it's more, uh, they're, they're, it's more realistic, obviously. But his hair's a mess, and he looks like he, he caked on the the mascara. He looks like Marilyn Manson as Mister McPiddle. Right, he's still got that, and it, it's, still got that little hat. Yeah, it's, it's it, the hat's really bad too. It's just <laughs> it's na- it's nasty. I I don't like that reveal. And then when he when he transforms into that. Disaster. Gigantic, um, impossible man-esque looking creature. It's just like, wow, this is going too far. But that's the thing about Alan Moore, and he does it to me almost immediately. He pulls me out of time. Every Alan Moore story I've read, he just sucks me out of, out of the time stream. I forget about how long it takes me to read this. I forget, I almost forget that I'm reading when Alan Moore's at the controls. I think that's pretty much the highest compliment you can pay a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yank me right out of time. And David, how, how would you answer this question? Yay or nay? Um, and it's going to be a tough one because it's both of the things you love. I would argue that while Amazing Spider-Man has a lot of great runs, Superman was better for a longer period of time. Consistently better than Amazing Spider-Man for a lot longer period of time. And I'm talking from Burn right up until about, I think Superman Red, Superman Blue was when it started to go off the rails. So that's like what, fifteen years? No, is it that long? No, no, it's a, it's no, at least ten years. It's, yes, it's at least ten. It's if, it's, it's it's twelve years. If, or no, because, no, it's eight. Because years. if Burn is like eighty five, eighty six, right? Yeah. And then yeah, you're so you're into the beginning. You're before the mid nineties. 
Because when right. did he marry? Yeah, because he proposed to Lois. How long has Slot been writing? Amazing. Sometimes. Has it long. been eight it's years? Been, it's uh, when was Civil War? After Civil War, because that was JMS. Oh, then you had the Webheads. Well, then so, we're what are you talking about? We're seven years, and we were covering Civil War and bullpen. Right, but I'm saying, but but JMS was writing amazing during Civil War, and then you had the Webheads, and then Slot took over with um uh, uh yes so um is that that's that's, it's that's still, at least six seven years maybe because you right. superior was what 30 something issues yeah um yeah I'd, I'd say just off the top of my head i'd say slots from writing spidey for at least six years easy okay so how would you answer that question which one has been consistently better for a longer period of time Amazing or Superman? It's I'm gonna go with the apples and oranges because Slot's been writing. I mean, Slot's been writing Spidey recently. Before that, you had JMS. Before that, you know, you had you had, you had Stern and McLean and all those other guys. Whereas with Superman, when he was at what you and I would consider his peak, you had four different writers every week. Mm-hmm. But based on all of that, yes, hello, uh, Superman was better longer. Yeah, I think so too. And it kills me that I sold those I issues. Know. I know. I would love to have those again. What the hell was I thinking? Yeah, I tend to agree with that too. And not only was Superman better longer, but he was better across titles. Where Spider, where Spidey would have maybe one really solid title at a time. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. And you could tell that it was a product of. The writers actually discussing what they were doing. Yeah. They had to because all of the trying, all the books were interconnected. Yeah. I don't um, know. I don't know. Spider-Man one through one fifty is pretty good, and that's a really long run. I think the Jerry Conway one run is the absolute best Spider-Man and run. That ever. goes through what two hundred? Mm. No, because no, I think oh. um, I think Wolfman Wolfman right two hundred. I know that. Um, Wolfman Road for a little bit, and then you had um, uh, the 220s. That wasn't – I don't think that was Stern. Stern was writing in the in, when uh, Hobgoblin. Right. Uh, right. That is a good run too. But, but I feel like those are chunks of good. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Like because then you have – because you have nothing can stop the juggernaut, and then you have, you know, Willow the Wisp. And, and it's like, okay, so it's, it's like you were on a roll – and now we're kind of in a speed bump because I really don't need to see the tarantula. And just don't say st- what? <laughs> just don't say, don't say Stegron because if you say Stegron, I'm gonna be all up in you. So, I love Stegron. Stegron and the lizard together. Oh my god, I was giddy. I love Stegron. I love all that me, stuff. Me too. Um, b- uh, but yeah, you have to admit, Web of Spider-Man, not the best Spidey book. I mean. Alex Saviak did a great job on the visuals, but that was always the goofy Spider-Man book. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, in more often than not, I felt that way about Spectacular too. Oh not, no, I like Spectacular a lot. I don't dislike Spectacular, but more often than not, like it just didn't feel. There's something about it that just never felt quite right to me, and and felt off compared to the better stuff in Amazing or or even even when like uh, McFarland launches. You know, 
adjectiveless Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> that was, like there was there was something about that book that like captured a moment, even if the writing wasn't fantastic. It captured a moment and it captured an aesthetic. You're right. In a way that I don't think Spectacular always had a good handle on. Like the Sal Buscema episode, uh, or issues of Spectacular, particularly the one like where, uh, Harry, uh, is, uh, has that breakdown and there's like that foil cover. I mean, there's, there's good stuff in there. But it's just, I, I just never felt like there was like consistent quality to it, like across titles. But that's me. That is you. But that's, <laughs> There's oh, something there. to be said. No, I, I agree to, with you to a point, but I mean, and again, I also have to see it from David's perspective with the apples and oranges. Uh, the, the titles, they're, they're, yes, they're both superhero comics. Okay. But the, the, the approach is so different. Uh, the cast of characters in Superman, I think he had the edge. Because the, the cast was so diverse and they were Kirby creations, yeah. most of them. Whereas you had a bunch of different cooks involved with all, I mean, and then, see, I don't even, it's, it's very hard. It's like arguing uh, over which one of my kids is right. Because in, in, in Spider-Man, you had the Rose and, and Kingpin and the Hobgoblin, like that stretch was, mm-hmm. uh, flawless, yes. I think. And it, you know, the death of Gene DeWolf, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of, Isolated, really great chunks of Spider-Man, but then you get JMS yeah. on it for a while, you know, and it's just, ugh. yeah. But I mean, I think that's, I mean, I guess that's sort of what we keep coming back to is you keep saying like isolated chunks of it though, right? Right. Like right. you don't refer, I mean, and just even hearing you talk, like you refer to like the triangle era of Superman, you, but you know, when you talk about the Spidey stuff, you're talking about specific moments. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think there was a unique voice in the triangle no. era. Yeah. Yeah. It all read the same, right. which was yeah, exactly. the goal. I mean, everybody, even if, um, in every, all the characters, just none of the, with, with the Spidey books, like Gene DeWolf was in Spectacular Spider-Man and you had at, at every, you had, uh, the the bugle the news magazine that was like the 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 reporters the the employees of the bugle working on that magazine were pretty much the supporting cast in web of spider-man and and an amazing head may and 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 the usual peter's friends but with 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 triangle books whether it's emil hamilton or, um, double X. Uh, you know, yes, everybody, I, you had certain artists who could draw the shit out of a certain character, but everybody got to show up in everybody's book, whether it was John Henry Irons, whether it was, whether it was Bibbo, everybody, but, but they were smart about it because Tom Grummet can draw the hell out of double X and, oh, yeah. and Bogdanov knows how to draw Bibbo and you have, um, you know, and, and, and guys that are really good, Emil Hamilton. So they, they kind of worked with the artist for, for when the characters were going to show up. But, but yes, it was, you could, you could read a book and know if Louis Simonson is writing it or if Roger Stern is writing it, but they were all playing. Nobody had their own little section of the Superman sandbox. Everybody got to play with everybody. Yeah. And one of the nits I have to, one of the very few nits I have to pick with the Justice League Unlimited, is the fact that they made Hamilton shady. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not good. It, it doesn't work for me. 
Yeah, Hamilton's not on the up and up in that series. No. Yeah. And he'll throw himself in front of a bus for Superman in the comics. Yes. Superman, wipe my ass. Or, or <laughs> Amel, wipe my ass. Okay. And he's there just scraping away, you know. So it's like, come on. All right. I can make you happier, David, because I have another Superman. Ooh, Do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Superman Family 181. Oh. I bought it exclusively on the merits of the cover. Lois is getting married. Oh, God, this cover. <laughs> to a dwarf hunchback Superman. Superman, no. <laughs> I now pronounce you Superman and wife, and I'm doomed to spend the rest of my life married to a gnome. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this right now. Yep. Yeah. And He's it'll be up on the face. Yeah. He does. <laughs> and it, it'll be up on the Facebook for uh, the listeners. Uh, Is that the Wizard Shazam standing over there? No, 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 no. It was written by Carrie Bates, right? Say no more. Art by Jose Delbo and Vinny Coletta. Oh, that's I know, I know. But um, it's called The Secret Lois Lane Could Never Tell. And it's a a really long story by Superman family standards. I mean, usually it was eight, ten page. This is is comic book size, full-length story. Lois is doing a piece on modern day monarchs, actual kings in the modern day. And she's, you know, she's traipsing all around Europe and, and stuff. And, um, she, she's on, uh, route to another, uh, interview when she's, she sees something in the road. She's driving blah, 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 and it's a skeleton. And it's, it has all like melted flesh all over it. And she's just like, what the hell? And she hears her name, Lois, Lois. And, and she, she, she stops the car, gets out and she looks over the side of the road and there's all fog. She's like, she, it's, it's fog so thick she can't see, you know, a foot in front of her. And she gets mesmerized and falls into the fog. So, you know, Lois Lane goes missing. The, the gang back at the planet are going to get a little concerned, right? So, so Superman comes in and he, he's like, Hey guys, what do you think of this? Uh, I'm going to give Lois this, this birthday present. And he has his hand up and his fingers like his, his index finger and his thumb are like, like holding something and they can't see anything. They're like, what, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. And he goes, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. So he gets, um, Morgan edges secretary over and he goes behind her and he puts something on her and it's a necklace. It's it's only it's a necklace that was made from I think it's pronounced Nerzas N R Z A S. They're space jewels <laughs> that could that could, they only become visible when worn by a young lady. <laughs> and the thing is, Lois already has a bracelet made of Nerzas that Superman gave her pe- previously. Um, so. The, the the gist of the story is there's this kingdom where the, it's medieval. The king walks around in in with you know with the scepter and he's got a wizard and you can tell he's a wizard because he has a beard and a pointy hat and the, and the hat has stars and moon shapes on it, right? And they they mesmerize Lois into coming in there 
And when they do, naturally Superman's going to come after her. But the wizard casts a spell to to make the populace see Superman as a shrunken, hunchback dwarf. And the king as a very handsome fellow, when in reality the king's not handsome at all. He's the dwarf. But Lois figures it out, and I, I had to laugh when the shit hits the fan. Uh, the king repents. He actually repents. He's like, yeah, it wasn't very nice of me to, to bring you in here because, you know, it, it's against your will and, and I'm bad and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry. And the wizard goes, screw that. If you don't go to marry her, I am. <laughs> he tries to take, the wizard tries to take both the kingdom and Lois as his bride. Like, again, we say it all the time. Comics should be ridiculous. Super gnome. Man, like this thing, I had to have it. And there's more shit in here. Jimmy Olsen and, you know, the usual Kurt Schaffenberger magnificence. But this this story just made me smile from beginning to end. And Lois figures it out. Guess where the wizard's power derives? Go ahead. It's not a stretch. Guess where he's getting his power? Kryptonite. No, from his hat. Oh, (laughs) And his hat's knocked off and he's powerless. (laughs) My hat. (laughs) Dude, if your power's all in your hat, Mm. like, you think you'd find a way to either shrink the hat or, or make the hat, like, imperceptible. If you walk around with this giant pointed thing on your head and that's the source of your power, you're just plain dumb. You're, you are, you're dumb. Uh, and there's stuff going on in the mist too. It's just a great story, but so innocent. Like this would never fly today. People be like, "This is stupid." Yeah, but that's where the joy is coming from—the stupidity. Was, I don't want to say stupid. That's a, that's not good. The silliness of it. It's a very silly story. We need more silly comic stories. We do. We do. Yeah. Absolutely do. Sure. So what else do we have, gentlemen? Uh, I got a couple of things. I don't know if you want me to save them for. No, there's no saving. Okay, good. Well, I got stuff that well, I'll just throw it in, in your travels because I haven't read it yet, but I think that it looks fantastic. Um, can I stir the pot a little bit? Uh oh. Um, we like the pot. Yes, yeah, I know you like the pot stirred, but I don't want to go too negative because because I I want to like this, but I'm just having such a hard time with it. I've had a hard time with it from jump. But uh, my last DCBS box had uh, issue five a DK three. Stop. Uh, All right, let's stir the pot. See, See, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you want me to stir this pot? Because I'm really struggling with this dude. All right, let me grab it. Let me grab number five. All right. What'd you get? You said three? Five. No, he said number five on DK3. So, I mean, like, the the most recent issue, which is five. Yeah. (laughs) Can you really say a recent issue with this series? Well, thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you very much for allowing (laughs) I love these events. Yeah. Um, but, and, and to, to be clear, like, there's not a single person working on this book that I don't like. I like Frank Miller and I like his take on Batman and I love Dark Knight and I love DK2 and I love All Star, right? So just, and I don't feel any embarrassment or, you know, any sort of anxiety about any of that. I, I love all of those things and I like Andy Kubert. And I love Klaus Janssen's inks more often than not. And I like Azarello as a writer. Um, but this is just not working for me. Um, 
and and I in every issue I re, I, I order every issue because I want to like it and I just want to keep giving it chances. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I keep encountering with it is that it's not. I mean, Cubert, he's he you know he's doing his best. He's doing his best, Frank Miller on here, and 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 Jansen is is you know you know guiding that along. But every now and then you see, you see Andy creep in more than. Um, you know, the style that he's trying to emulate. Um, and that doesn't bother me so much. I think what bothers me about this and where I keep having a hard time is that it just feels so restrained. And, and like, like somebody's holding something back on this. And it feels too short and too clean. And, and um, it just, it's not the Dark Knight or the all-star stuff that I loved so much because it was zany, because it was hilarious, because it pushed the envelope, and I'm just not feeling it uh, on this. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't claim to know or understand where that's coming from, but there's just something that is fundamentally wrong with this for me um, that I can't quite put my finger on it. And, and like, for example, like, I can't put my finger quite on it for the main story but in the mini comics uh that that frank's drawing i know exactly what it is for me it's the coloring in the mini comics the coloring in the mini oh, comics yeah, is miserable yeah, yeah. that's I, I, probably the, the only thing i'm going to agree with yeah <laughs> and, 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 and um i knew we were going to agree on that so that's why i say it i'm trying to throw i'm trying to throw oh, out, right, out there somewhere now, that's my, so but, you, say, you say mini comics so you're buying the the standard yeah, I'm buying regular issues. I'm not buying the I'm not buying the the hardcover, the prestige, or whatever they're calling it on there. No, I'm not dropping the eight bucks an issue. Uh, and, and not doing it for the slipcase. Yeah, yeah. Not that I not that I wouldn't. I mean, if this because I mean my going into this, I bought the first couple, feeling a little bit nervous about it. Right. And then um, you know, if it was what I wanted it to be, then I absolutely would have bought the the hardcover issues and, and spent way too much money on these. But um it just feels really safe and really polished. And that was the thing that I loved about Dark Knight and Dark Knight Two is that it's not polished and it's not safe. And it's um there's just I don't know. It just this feels like it's it feels like this is something that DC thought they should do instead of letting it sort of exist as its own thing instead of it being organic. But that's me. So, and I, I know that's a controversial opinion around these parts, but uh, <laughs> not, not with David, it's not. No, not with me. But, but it is um, with Vince. and I, and Vince, I, I know that you loved it too because when we were at C two E two, you know, we kind of. We had a bit of a showdown about this, I guess, too, and just let it drop. But um, since we're on the show, and I just read the fifth one, like I, I just, I just, I want to like this so badly, and yes, I just agreed. keep feeling, I just keep feeling let down by it. And and you know, you said you were nervous about when when this was announced, and and by buying the first issue or two, and and you, and which is understandable, but yeah. it, it was it's understandable for me because. I read Dark Knight Strikes again, and and I know that you and and Mario and Vince, you love that sequel, and yeah, yeah, and you know sometimes you just gotta let your friends do some crazy shit, but it's <laughs> it it is I it and 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 because this isn't solo Miller, this isn't this isn't yeah. Frank writing it on his own 
and and even the backups where he he's drawn a couple of them because you had Riso draw you know he yeah there it this is Frank Miller's name is on this but it almost it, it's almost like Stanley presents Amazing Spider Man this is this is a Frank this is based in a in a world Frank Miller created and and he's along for the ride I just don't know how much I I, I don't know if he's if he's the Griswold's grandmother in the back seat, who, who's now just passed on in the desert, or if he's actually, you know, riding shotgun and telling Azarello what we need to do. But R- respectfully. Yeah. Why do you need to know the equation? I don't. I don't. And we've you just said you did. I says, oh. I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't. Why do you need to know? Because you don't need to know. His name's on the cover. It's no, all you need it's, to know. It's, it's, it's not. Do you want to put an index on the inside front cover? Frank wrote the dialogue balloon on pages I, three, seven, nine, and eleven. Like they, it doesn't they kind matter. Of, they kind of squashed that when, when in an interview, Frank was like, "Well, no, I, I, I don't know what they're doing with this book, but I know yeah, that I'm Frank is not. Own Frank is not making this book. He's not. Right. He's, no. He is. He's making. He it. Is he's he's drawing the backups, <laughs> and he's he's letting them use what what he what he made years ago but this isn't so my my i'm i'm a i i have the first two series i had to see where this was going i but and i'm not because this is my whole point about you know how, how much or how little frank is dealing with it everybody wants to talk about how you know frank was giving everybody the middle finger and 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 pissing on your legs and telling you it was raining because you know in the second book in the second series they're like fuck you fans and and i don't know if you can get that shame on me, shame on you. Thing it's, but but because my he has an out with me because he is not in my mind he is not so involved in this. So I'm not getting the sense of Frank's telling me to fuck off. First of all, he's not telling fans to f off. He's he's telling the people who want him to do something other than he wants to do to F off. Yeah, that's, that's what would, that would, that's, that's the whole thing about DK3. You expect this to be this? Well, F you, I'm doing whatever the hell I want to do. He's not talking about the, the, the people that, you know, the Miller loyalists that love his work and just think he's, you know, he would never do that. It's just like, I, there's something insurmountable expected of me. So I'm not even going to try and climb that mountain. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. See, that's what it meant. Not it's, it's not. It could be derogatory. Yeah, maybe. But it's it's a masterstroke. <laughs> See, you know what? And, 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 he, and here's the thing for me is I don't think that what you're saying. I don't think that that is wrong because I think that that's what we get with All Star. Mm-hmm. I think we get that in an unrestrained way that um, that Frank wants it to be. And it's not, it's not an FU to, and I agree that it's not an FU to fans, but it's an FU to the whole notion that there's this expectation that we, right. the readership, DC or Warner Brothers, the publisher is owed X, right? So he says, you're owed X? Fine. You know, eat a dick. You're going to get this. Um, Can you imagine the editorial offices when the pages for DK2 started coming in? Oh, yeah. Well, especially. It must have been chaos. Well, and especially after the, and especially after the 9-11 stuff too. Um, but, yeah. but, like this just like DK3 just feels polished and it feels like we're missing something here. And, missing and maybe, 
Frank. He's not yeah. making this book. <laughs> That's, Let me say it again. That is what's wrong with this heard you. book. I, Mario, I don't disagree with you one bit. I think you're exactly right. Frank Miller is like his narrative voice and everything that that I love and, and you and Vince and I love about Dark Knight and about DK2 is missing from this book. We have the narrative universe. We don't have the characters. We don't have that acerbic wits. We don't have any of the things that made those books, you know, wonderful. Uh, I just, they're just not here. They're just like, not. I, I, I will make one eensy teensy concession that, that rabble rousing chaotic voice is not present in the majority of the main feature. But it is in the backups. It's more in the backups. I, I'll, I'll yeah. grant you that it's more in the backups, but it is. At, I don't think it's anywhere in the main feature. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, I, I know his name's there, and I know that it's his universe, but I just don't see it. I mean, there's no way that we're going to flip to this at any page in this main feature, and we're going to get a moment like uh, the question and Green Arrow on a point-counterpoint talk show. There's no moment in DK3 where we're going to get uh, that really super satirical comedic moment where Superman has the eagle land on his arm on a cliff while the sun sets. Like, we're not I getting... I mean, we're just... Those things are not going to happen in this book. We're going to... I mean, this... The, 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 not certainly not in the main narrative. We're going to get what... We're going to get a super polished, focus-grouped version of Dark Knight. And... And... and um, and but and it just it it just breaks my heart because I love DK two so much and I love you know the satirical aspects and all of you know Dark Knight it's just it's just not here. Aquaman riding on a giant <laughs> hammerhead shark. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, but that's Green Arrow what... shooting at Superman with Kryptonite with one arm. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Just talking about Dark Knight Returns and DK two just separately. And this is for the people that don't like DK2 um, because of how zany it is. Dark Knight Returns is, for the time period, is zany as fuck. Yep. It's all satire. But but it was it was it was encased in this like dark serious tone, so people think it's like oh it's like this badass you know it's like it's like the Nolan Batman movies oh they're badass you know it's awesome, but. It's totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman gets hit with a nuclear bomb and then grabs a sunflower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, it's and it, it's crazy. Yeah, every every bit of it is, and that's not in DK three at all. No, at all. No, it, it feels it feels too serious. It feels like we're supposed to take this seriously, and that. By not taking it seriously, we, the reader, have made a mistake. Well, what about the the exosuit at the end of five with the Superman no neck Superman armor, no neck glum face Superman armor? Like that's fun. That's semi satirical. Uh, maybe I mean, but again, like you're, but you're grabbing you've but you've grabbed two moments out of the whole thing, right? Like the voice, and, and, the voice isn't right. The voice, the voice, is, just the, the voice is just not right here. Right. I don't know if I don't know if it's not right. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, if you want to say that, it, you know, yeah, right and wrong. I mean, that's subjective. But it's not right to me 
as okay. as the person well, that, you know worships those those first three books. Right. If it's not right to you, then it's not right. No. That's all that. That's all that matters. There's just something wrong about this. I have an inability to discern quality when I see that name on the front of a comic book. Yeah, that's fair. All all judgment and experience go out the window. I see the Frank Miller on the cover and he could smear his feces in the panel borders and I'd be like it's a friggin' masterpiece. <laughs> There's I, I, I cannot judge. My ability to judge evaporates whenever Frank Miller's name is on the cover. Yeah. So don't take I mean and this is for the record, yeah. don't take anything I say as you know really seriously when i'm when i'm going over a frank miller book because you know i'm my my perspective is skewed sure i i i I just cannot judge i love everything that man does well i mean when i when i think that he's actually doing it (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) you did But, but, you know, like Mario keeps saying, like his voice is really absent from this other than sort of the narrative universe that he created. And he's probably not writing it. No, I, I, I there's no way you could convince me that he's writing this. I would the be. The first feature? No way. No, the first no feature? Azarello's just a sock puppet. Yeah, and, 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 and it's a name on the front. And, and, and <laughs> as to, it's, 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 it's gotta be running through like any number of editors because it's a, it's a cash in too, you know? And I don't have a problem with it being a cash in. No, but it's about damn time, don't you think? Yeah. They, they should have a Dark Knight imprint. Yeah. They should have been exploiting this from. Well, they should. They, well, Jim Lee should have finished All Star. So, but I mean, here we are, right? So. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, and I knew I'd be stirring the pot by wanting to talk about this, but like I, I read it because my, I I finally got through my July DCBS box and I read this. I was like, God damn it, guys. Like, and I keep buying it, but I'm like, just fuck. (laughs) Like, just do me one small favor and do this, do this one thing right. And, um, it's just not working. Okay, now remove remove the the fact that it's not Miller from the equation, and pre- pretend. I know this is asking a lot. That DK one and two never happened. No, Jesus it's still it's still a good Batman story. Uh, <sighs> man, is it? I don't know. It's not, no, there have been there have been better I Batman stories. I can't. Of course, there's been better, but it's still good. Uh, just be, it's compared not, to. It's not Judd Winnick. I'm not comparing it to anything. I'm just, enter the door in the first issue, and you're still in the seat by issue five. Then if you're, if then, it, but it's not a Batman story. Then it's it's a Superman family. It's a Candor story. It, it's not. It's, it's a Batman no, story. It, it takes place in Gotham, but it it's not. It's it's old Bruce Wayne. It's oh. it, but it's but it, when I think of a Batman story, there are certain certain things that I got to tick off when 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 I'm reading a Batman story, and this. This is not, that's the other thing that I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, it's, it's not, I go off the rails with it because whereas, you know, Dark Knight Returns was, you know, a really strong Batman story and it's, it's Bruce Wayne and Batman coming out of retirement and, and, and that was a Batman story. Then the second series was the Justice League and now this is more of, so again, even if without reading the other two, without putting the other two in the equation, this is 
there isn't enough Batman so far in these five issues for me to think that this is, oh, this is a Batman story. There's, there's a lot going on, but I would not view this as, as a, as a Batman story. All of the events are instigated by Batman. All right. All of them. So, so part of what, <laughs> they are. Part, part of what I think you're asking is, is like, what's the most generous view of this? That, <laughs> If you could, it's uh, not exactly what I said. But, but I feel like that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's a reason. That's what you're fishing for. We're, like we're, we're, like within, within proximity, right? The most generous view I could take of this is if you took this out of Frank Miller's Dark Knight universe and you put this in, say, the, the Batman Beyond universe and took Carrie Kelly out of it, not because yeah, I don't yeah. like Carrie Kelly. I love Carrie Kelly, but like replaced her with like Terry McGinnis. And had Terry going after to find Superman or dealing with Kandor, then I think you get some traction. Um, that, but, um, cause I think that that, there's something workable in there, but it just doesn't work in the Dark Knight universe. And I don't think it works as just a straight up Batman story. It needs to be about someone else who is trying to deal with this you know the complications of these relationships and and sort of the weirdness of what's going on there and that's just not happening here but but i would totally buy this if this was terry if it was instead of carrie it was terry mcginnis trying to fill, figure this out i would buy it y'all are exiled both of you <laughs> that's fine I'll, i mean i'll allow it I'll, no you won't no i won't I'll, I, I ain't have no, no, I, no. I'd be frantically like Facebook messaging you later, like I'm so sorry. Or, yeah, right. Take it all no. back. <laughs> it is opinion. Bad. Opinions are are welcome. I'm 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 kind of a little bit upset that you're not digging it. Is it disappointed? I don't know. If I'm not disappointed in it. I I'm love it. Disappointed that he's not enjoying. No, it's, I'm not disappointed. It's just bummed, but hurt. I don't know. It's it's just. It's. I don't get butter. I know you don't get butter. I would probably like it if Frank Miller was making it, but he's yeah. not making this book. Yes, you've said <laughs> um, many times. I don't know if people realize it though. The people that are shitting on it are like, "Oh, Frank Miller is going off the rails." Yeah, Frank Miller so lost. Has, no. He editorial is making this book. Right. Yeah. The backup story with Hal <laughs> got no. You literally, like the first, I, second issue that one. No, no, it was the, the fourth, the fourth, the okay. one, one where it was, it was very, very loose and <laughs> European. Oh yeah, yeah. The David, the the pages for that literally got shoved in my face down at the comic shop. This is what you like. This, this was like it was drawn by a child. This is horrible and shaking the book in front of my face. And I'm like, I, I love it. I think it's great. This is horrible, and this is from people who, whose livelihood depend on the the amount of copies this thing sells. <laughs> but but you're talking specifically about the pages that Frank drew, though. Right. I mean right, that that right. that's a different that's a whole different discussion. I mean because and if you're if you I mean obviously you are, but like if you're encountering people that look at that stuff and like don't see the artistic merit and value in that, then. One of them's absent this week. Yeah, you know, like I, I know he is, and, and I I love Jason with all my heart and soul. But like, I mean, I really do. But it's it's difficult for me to understand that mindset because I I, mean, I see those things and I see an artist who is. I mean, it's it's like that. Uh, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but it's like that Picasso story, right? Where like 
some guy like walks up to him in a restaurant and says, you know, will you draw me something? And he draws something on a fucking like cop cocktail napkin. It's just a doodle. And he hands it back to the guy and, you know, asks for some unreasonable amount of money. And, you know, you know, the guy's like, that's unreasonable. And then Picasso says, uh, well, it didn't take you 30 years to learn how to do that. Right. Like right. I, I feel like Miller's in that same camp. Like he can do that because he, He's earned that right. He's earned that right to be abstract. He's earned that right to draw things that don't look perfect, you know? Um, right. Because he, and, because and, he has and, a voice. Eve, right. But even without all that, yeah. say that was his first work. Yeah. Um, it would be seen as crude, um, unpolished, not applicable for the mainstream superhero genre. And I say, so what? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, if you don't get the dialogue, you're not receiving the discussion. It's, I don't interrogate my art. A lot of people do. They interrogate it. They, they, they want it to answer all of their questions and they, they want it to do so in a way that fits the, the, the answer that they want to receive. Like, not only do you want me to, 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 speak with you you want me to tell you exactly what you want to hear and i think that's the majority of people who are buying these things right they they want what they want and they want it to conform to what they've consumed before this this doesn't do that and it shouldn't do that because it's not it's not the same people who did that work that you love so much it's a different artist who's speaking in a different language and he has a different agenda, it, but that all that doesn't really it doesn't matter. You either get it or you don't. Yeah, right. You you embrace it or you you say I don't like that, which is your prerogative. You could do that because it's you know it's art. Right. But anyway, so I'm just I I just don't like Master Race. It could be better. Yeah, <laughs> we've. It, it, it should. I'm gonna have to do a hell of a lot of editing on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> episode. Yeah, the guys couldn't make it tonight. <laughs> So here's uh, yeah. Aliens versus Dread versus Predator. <laughs> yes, this week we have huge blocks of dead air. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Yeah. Jason will be back. I, I can totally understand that. I love how you can understand it when the guests say. You're different. I'm different, really. Why different? Because they're not here. Oh, okay. Oh, they're not here every week to, to bat me over the head with it. Yeah, but you got thick skin. You got all those calluses. Yeah. Huge. I have very thick skin. I'm Sicilian. Huge I know. skin. Huge. So, so, oh. so much skin. Just covered in skin. Whole body covered oh, in skin. skin. Such skin. Uh, I'm the blob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm looking at the clock. Should we do the In Your Travels? I think so, right? It's two hours and you can ten do minutes. Do the In Your Travels if you want. Tired? Are you sleepy? Uh, I'm, oh, I'm just thinking we got to. Yeah, he's strong like bull. He can go on for days. Minutes. Uh, hey, if you want to get cheap comics, there's really only one place to go. That's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. They will get them to you fast, inexpensively, and delivered right to your door. It is the best system in the world. If you have a computer or a telephone, I guess, right, or any a smartphone, right, all you got to do is go to dcbservice.com select the books you want a month or so later no it's two months right yeah right um you'll get them delivered right to your house and it's like you don't have to leave and you get the books you ordered i can't tell you how many times 
no offense to the local comic book shops, but I would pre-order stuff. No money down, of course, but I want all these books. Okay, thanks. And I would get maybe about 80% of them. And the ones that I didn't get were more often than not, not Marvel and not DC. So you don't have that problem. They get the majors, they get the independents, they get the small press stuff, they get everything. DCBService.com. And you will get them. So go there. In, in your travels. I really want you to read this. I'm going to keep the, the trend of dissenting opinions going. I thought this book was fantastic. It scratched every itch that I had. It, it makes me hopeful in rebirth that they would allow this book to, to join their ranks because it is old school all the way. It feels like good era Spider-Man. It, it was written by Keith Giffen okay. and Scott and Scott Collins. Um, Giffen, of course, did the script. Collins did the art. Uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr. did the colors. I'm talking about the Blue Beetle rebirth. Did y'all read it? Uh, it's coming to me in my next box. I read it. Yeah. Mario? No, did not read it. It was great. I want it to be good, so I'm glad to hear someone say something positive about it. Jaime is back along with his his friends Paco and Brenda. Um it, it it's it's really not incredibly deep. Um Jaime is not concerned with being a superhero or uh saving people. He just wants one thing. He wants the damn scarab removed from his back. He wants to get rid of it. So what does he do? He solicits the help of Ted Cord. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. He said, Oh, I heard you're a nice guy. You know, you're going to help me. So, but Ted, who was, I'm assuming, a superhero in this revamped rebirth universe, Ted just wants to play superhero. He's been out of the game. He had a heart attack. He's living vicariously through Jaime. He's directing Jaime and helping him along with the, the bug, the, 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 the beetle ship. And, um, Jaime runs into Rack and Ruin, a couple of ne'er-do-wells who trash a, a, a coffee shop and take hostages for what goal, what end? They want to pull Beetle out and they want a one-to-one with Beetle. Why? Well, read the issue and you'll find out. But, um, uh, Brenda's aunt is back, Aunt Amparo from, from the, uh, the, the, previous Blue Beetle series and she's getting all Alan Ormsby at the end that won't do that won't do it all right and uh, th- this is basically it just carries over some of the plot points from the, the previous Jaime series which in my mind is a really good thing because I enjoyed that series a hell of a lot and and this is more the same but this time around with Scott Collins art and and I, I adore Scott Collins I, I think he everything I love about Eric Larson is is why I love Scott Collins. Only, um, no, no, only they they both have the same methodology. If you look at Collins's layouts and and um, Eric Larson's layouts, they're very similar, and his approach to to draftsmanship, both of them are very similar. Whereas Collins is a little tighter, Larson looser, obviously, but they both have that same fighting spirit. When, when making these things. I just, I love it. I think it was great. David, what? 
<laughs> what what? <laughs> no, I know you didn't complete. No, I didn't completely love it. Um, it's I um, right right. There wasn't enough Ted for me. Um, I I appreciate Jaime, and and I I you know just like it. Blue Beetle's a legacy character. He's a legacy character when when Ted Cord was Blue Beetle, obviously. So it, it's not like oh, there can only be Ted's my Beetle. It, it's I I like Ted Cord as Blue Beetle. I I never read a whole lot of stories with with Jaime as as the character, and uh, I, I dig the alien aspect of, of the Scarab and and what it can do for Jaime and I think it's great that there's the um the whole Batman Beyond thing happening with with Ted being the mentor and and uh letting him know what he can do and and should do and and he's there for Jaime um I'm going to need more than just this rebirth to get a feel for their relationship because Jaime, like you said, just let's go to school, man. He's got shit to do and wants to live his life without the scarab and, and uh, Ted's living vicariously through him. And I don't know if things are going to come to a head between the two of them. Just, I mean, and not that I'm not expecting some huge fight, but there, there's going to be some give and take and, and Ted's going to have to back off a bit, but I just, I am not, um, I'm glad there is some Ted in the book. I would like more just because of my affection for the character. But I, I'm, I am glad, so glad you loved it. I don't know if I'm going to read the issues as they come out. I might, oh, shut your I mouth. might let them stop out. I might wait to hear you do, you know, every two weeks do a blue beetle in your travels and, and find out, you know, what, what's going on. I think on. it's monthly. This one's a monthly? Wow. Okay. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Blue Beetle bi-weekly? That that's like the perfect universe. That's true. If it was if they were doing it the Ruckaway and you know one one week you get Ted and then two weeks later you get Jaime, I'd be down for that. That'd be nice if if the market would support right. it, but I don't, no, I don't think I it agree. Would. Um I'm not spoiling anything uh to for for Zach and and Mario. But there, uh, Ted is, it's very interesting because now it makes me question what's going on in this rebirth universe because someone comes to visit Ted, someone yes. who, whom Ted should know and he doesn't. Hmm. Um, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying that would have been but, obvious, though, a little too obvious for the first issue, but yeah. yeah, he, he comes to tell Ted that he, the thing that he's studying may not be the thing thing that the thing is the thing yeah the thing it's different so and and yeah so but it sounds like ted's sort of in that tot rotor role that ditko set up or uh uh and the same thing he sort of set up for dan garrett though right yeah, right right, yeah. right, yeah. right. exactly yeah. right he's he's the mentor with an agenda yeah he he does he's gonna help jaime remove the scarab but when he's tired of Jaime doing the super heroics. So not entirely altruistic. So what well, do you think the chances are? All right. So we have Ted and we have Jaime, right? The blue beetles. What do you think the chances are if it keeps going well that, um, 
what's his name from uh, from Watchmen will show up. Night Owl? No, Night Owl. Yeah, yeah, Night Owl. That'd be great. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, they're yeah. tying in the they're tying in the Watchmen characters. Yeah, because Night Owl is Ted Cord, so right. Yep. That's where you put him. Yeah. You put him in there. Yeah. I think that something is either going to happen to Jaime or Ted's going to remove the scarab. But I think, I think Ted's the scarab will be again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there'll be a point in this series, um, and depending on sales, if sales aren't great, it's going to happen sooner. Um, I think Ted's going to go back to being the Beatle. Mm. Jaime's great. But I don't know why you couldn't have both. You can have both, yeah. but... Especially since this isn't, you know, chubby but some, chubby Ted Cord. This is... Yeah, but something has happened to Ted. Ted is not... I mean, he he's not pudgy, but he's not in fighting form. Like he says, I had a heart attack. Right. Yeah. So the scarab could be the cure for his physical ailments and get him back in the game. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, it's coming to me. I mean, I plan on getting it so long as it's pleasurable in some way because I want to. It's 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 a it's a series in their characters that I want to like really badly because I, I mean I just have like an emotional connection to these characters. So I, right. I want it to be good. Yeah, yeah. Right. and it feels it's like DC's. Spider-Man. Well, yeah, his, well, the but, Miles Morales Spider-Man with the supporting cast and yeah, and yeah. going to school. It's it's the um, and it's I want to. I sit down and I, I read the issue and I really, really want to just enjoy it. But I I don't know what it is about Jaime, about the, the supporting cast, about his aunt and everything. It's just it's not it's not grabbing me. But. You know, racist. So it's just. Uh, yes, what it is. You, you hate Latino. <laughs> Obviously. He does. But that makes sense that they want to do the Spidey thing too, because I mean, you know, Ted Cord, I mean, that was Charlton Spider-Man. I mean, Ditko, I mean, was doing yeah. Peter Parker and Spider-Man with Ted Cord. So, right. so I mean, that, that historically fits too. So. Yeah, it's crushed all those itches. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not too teeny. Even though the main character is a teen, it it's not Tom DeFalco name dropping popular bands and or movies or TV shows every other time. No, it's not dated, is what you're saying. No, it's not. They're just they're just kids. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one part, uh, Paco and Brenda argue. I mean, they're always arguing, but in this instance, um, he sneezed or she sneezed, and he said, "God bless you." Mm-hmm. And she took offense to that. Yeah. And that, that goes yeah. on for Way like a page. Yeah. Not too long. <laughs> <laughs> Next. I'm done. Uh, something from up and coming writer Fred Van Lenty. Woot. Oh. Uh, artist is Francis Portella and it is a new book from Valiant called Generation Zero. You. You've read that? Yeah, I got the box today. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that's going to surprise you. Um, <laughs> surprise! Surprise, bitches. The, uh, this, this actually, I believe this cover is by Tom Muller because it's cover B, but it's, the, the art is fantastic. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull events. I'm not going to pull on events. I'm not going to spoil the book for people, uh, since it, I don't know well, when this came out. Um, what? obviously it came out in the first, past couple of weeks. Anyway, 
Uh, it's a really cool setup. I don't know if any of these characters have shown up in any other Valiant book at the moment. Um, but you get a great little backstory of, um, of what's going on with, of, of, of Keisha is trying to find Generation Zero because apparently the Zeros help people who, who need help. You go onto a, you go to a chat room and, um, you hit that channel and you ask for help and, they, and you see a few different people asking for help and a lot of them are, are very selfish. Um, but Keisha is actually trying to get to the bottom of a mystery and she's a high school student. There are clicks throughout, uh, the book. It, like I said, it takes place in Michigan, which they have now named the, uh, redneck Dubai because <laughs> the whole, because it's, it's, it's been, um, it, it, it's been rebuilt pretty much. Um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. The, the schools have cutting edge technology. Uh, so people want to learn because they're making it enjoyable and, uh, everybody's kind of pretty in this book. That, that, that's one thing that, uh, Portellan has a real good handle on is that everybody, even if, even if it's supposed to be, you know, fat or have freckles or pimples or something, they just, everybody looks good. It's a very clean looking book. The story is really cool. I'm looking forward to the second issue. Um, the, uh, I have no idea where, where the, um, where the mystery is going. I like the, the, when some other characters are introduced, they have their own way of speaking. The dialogue is really weird and it reminded me of, um, Archbishop Emoji, but it's, uh, it's Van Linty's just, yeah, I guess he's got away with words, but the whole Keisha's family, dad's the sheriff. Uh, her brother seems to be a tad, um, well, maybe, maybe autistic. I, I, it not, doesn't really strike me as, um, Asperger's or anything. He's, he doesn't remind me of Sherlock, but he, um, he's definitely, uh, set in his ways and, and, and tad on the special side. But, uh, Keisha just wants to know what happened to somebody. I don't know, um, all I see is her father and her brother, so I don't know where mom is. Um, it's not all that important, at least for this story. There's a kegger that she gets invited to, and and that's kind of where things start to um, get really weird. And and it's it, it's really cool, and and the way it all plays out. And after I finish the issue, something else from Valiant that has me excited Damn is a New book. Britannia. No. no. No, not that one. Although that does look pretty cool. Uh, Arbinger Renegades. Oh. Written by Rafer Roberts and drawn by superstar artist Derek Roberts. Now wait a minute. Um, that was in the box too. No, no, no. This was just an ad. Oh, okay. I'm Sorry, yeah, no, I don't want to. So I'm not too ambitious. No, yet. no, no. But there's, somewhat. There's something in there called War Mother, which is a four thousand. Damn it! And I that art was very 
Carrie Nord esque, but it it's not drawn by Nord. But um, and the next issue of of A and A drawn by nice. Mike Norton is is in the box, so I got to read that too. It's Thomas Giarrello, yes, on War. And yeah. and uh, the next issue of Bloodshot Island, which I started to read, but I didn't get too far into. You're just being hateful. Now. Right. That's why I stopped reading it. Being I did hurtful. not want to completely. But seriously, in your travels, Regeneration Zero, because like I said, I don't know if these these sides, if these characters have shown up anywhere else. They are all new to me. So um, I'm taking it as a uh, as as a pretty cool jumping on point. And the, the art is just I, I can't stop looking at it. And it's Van Lenti. So, you know, I think you've known he does good stuff. He does. Next. Um, I'm going to say in your travels, <laughs> I'm going to say read or reread if you've read this before. I'm going back 14 years on this one, something I just reread. No, we haven't talked about anything old on this issue. This <laughs> no, not at all. So this is 14 years old. Um, it's got a link because we were talking about Azarello earlier. It's written by Azarello. Came out in uh, 2002, and we have about four weeks until the television series premieres on Netflix. I reread Cage, the Max series by Azarello and Richard Corbett. Yes, oh, I love that series. Um, and I totally forgot everything about it when I when I uh, apparently between uh, 14 years ago and this last week when I reread it. But that is an exceptional series. Um, I think that there's a very good possibility that they could pull a lot from that, uh, that they could have pulled a lot from that for the Netflix series. Because it is totally, it is, it is so amazing because it's so, it's so street level. Like he is not, he is not, you know, like showing off powers at all. In fact, it yeah. isn't until the very end when you, you realize that he, is, I mean, that you actually see that he is bulletproof. You know what I mean? He doesn't get like shot or anything throughout the whole thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great little story. You know, he's, he's hired by a woman whose daughter got killed in a gang shooting and that leads him to a run in in a gang war between, uh, the local, like, mafioso and, uh, Tombstone's gang. And, uh, Tombstone's really cool in here. Corbin does, a, I mean, Corbin really draws him like mm-hmm. an albino, you know, like African American. He is, he's got like the pink blue eyes, you know, his skin. Um, you know, uh, Luke calls him an ashy, you know, an ashy motherfucker. He's what Luke, Luke calls him. Um, but I mean, it's, it's really well done. And Corbin is just, uh, uh, who colored this? Cause I mean, Corbin is just top of his game here. Um, Jose, Jose Villarubia. Color oh, color. okay. Um, but it, it's, it's just amazing. And I have to say, like, why does Corbin always draw black people? Does it seem <laughs> to, does it seem to you that he, like, he, he is drawn towards drawing people of African descent? Because I, I'm, I picture a lot, like, there was the Dark Horse thing from a couple years ago. Like he really does draw a lot of, of like African inspired stuff. I don't know if it's something that he likes to do, or if it's just you know it's just a coincidence. But um, I've certainly noticed it. And and you know and he's and it's this guy. I mean he's from like the Midwest, isn't he? Richard Corbin. Um. But uh, yeah, it was very good. 
Um, I feel like, like I said, I feel like it's a lot of like they could pull from for Netflix if they, you know, if they did do that. I have a feeling too that Tombstone is going to show up in this Netflix series. Mm. I, I feel like that's going to be like a reveal. Um, I have no see, reason to believe that other than just my mind telling me that. But uh, see, Tombstone, uh, Corbin's Tombstone doesn't look black to me. He doesn't, but Tombstone himself is an albino, so. Right, but I mean, his features don't look, well, this, we're getting in weird now, but he doesn't look, to me, he doesn't look like Cage without color, or right. someone of color right, without right, color. Right. Yeah, he's definitely really weird, and and uh, uh, Mountain, Mountain Marco shows up in it, Nice. and as like an enforcer, and he just, I mean, he looks like, he looks like sloth from the goonies i mean he like it's <laughs> Jesus, yeah. it's crazy i don't even know what the, what what the point of it was but that's what that's what it basically looks like and there's lots of titties in this book yeah yeah well it's corbin yeah, yeah. So. very good um i forgot how good it was um corbin has an infatuation not only with boobs but with dicks too yeah the the the, the penis shows up in many many corbin works and if you go back and read it, Cage has he's has bulges. Yeah, yeah. In this book, yeah. That's why you like Corbin so much, man. I know. I I don't like Corbin. I love Corbin. <laughs> I, I teach yeah. Corbin. You should teach I do, Corbin because Have of the coloring stuff that he did at Heavy Metal and at Warren. Right, uh, right. Because he was, uh, you and I have talked about this before, but you know he was coloring right on those plates, and then Jim Borden's yep. like, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to keep these, and then trash. <laughs> Well, that was that's Warren. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a cheapskate, but uh, you know, really profit-driven guy. But, but yeah, man, anything that Corbin draws, though, I'm there. Like, I, I love that guy's stuff. It's just incredible. I'm surprised he didn't color it. That's what I was. What I'm, if you noticed, like one of the only guys he will let color his work is is Villa Rubio. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because if, if you're Richard Corbin and and you have to bring in a colorist, you're going to be very discerning. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, the coloring is great in this book; it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love his stuff and Villa Rubia too. So yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Did uh, Villa Rubia color him on the Hellboy stuff too, or was that um, what's his bucket that always colors Hellboy? The Dave, Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, escaped me for a minute. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm actually asking: Is that did Dave Stewart color that, or was it Villa Rubia? I'm I'm looking now. I I can't. Uh, I think it was Dave Stewart. But the, I'll, that's I'll, the Crooked Man story, right? Uh, Hellboy in Mexico is is oh, Corbin. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, but he did Crooked Man too. Yeah. Uh, oh no, maybe he didn't. Maybe it was Josh Dysert. Because being human, it just says <laughs> Mignola uh, and Corbin. Yeah, Jason Alexander ducking for greater. So maybe Corbin did color that. I don't know. Interesting. We'll look. We'll look into this. This is worth finding out, guys. It is. It really is. It's. It's not easy to to find this too because uh, you're talking the Crooked Man. Okay. Yeah. Because that was the Dave Stewart colored. Okay, Stewart colored that one. Okay. Yeah. But Stewart's. I mean. I mean that guy. I mean, there's few, you can do no wrong yeah, with, with there's few people that are better than him. Villa, uh, maybe, but 
Stuart also colored The Bride of Hell. Mm-hmm. And let's see, Hellboy in Mexico was colored by Dave Stewart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think we're, we're noticing a trend here. Yeah. Double Feature of Evil was colored by Dave Stewart as well. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So there's two people to work with. Yep. And Macoma, which is uh, Corbin and Mignola, but still, mm-hmm. still Corbin. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've got in, in your travels. I have a couple, actually, if you'll indulge me. Will you indulge me? Please, of course. Please indulge me. So every time I come on the show, I have to mention Eric Powell because he's one of my favorite uh, cartoonists and comics artists working. And uh, his hillbilly... Uh, which is coming out, which he's independently producing um, with his imprint, uh, this uh, Albatross Exploding Funny Books, is fantastic. Uh, it features some of the characters from the goon, like uh, uh, the... Uh, 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 oh, shit, I forgot his name because I'm three beers in. But, um, but anyway, it, it features a couple of characters from the goon, and um, it, it's just it's an excellent book. And I'm really attracted to uh, Hill People, and like hillbilly horror, uh, and sort of the stuff like Cormac McCarthy writes. Um, I'm really fascinated by all that kind of stuff. And hillbilly scratches a particular itch with all that. And, and Powell does a great job in it. I just think it's a beautiful book because he, there's just so many things he brings into it that are wonderful. Um, the buzzards. In yeah. It. Buzzard. Yeah. Yeah. For Christ's sake. I couldn't think of the buzzard stupid name, which is ridiculous. Cause he's my favorite character, favorite character in the goon. Anyway, three beers in, that's what happens to you. Um, but the other one, um, the other ones I wanted to mention is I read uh, a recent uh, book because I've been doing a lot, you know, obviously I do comic scholarship stuff. And I read this book by uh, an author, uh, an academic by the name of Paul Young, who's like an art teacher, um, about Miller's Daredevil, since we were talking about Miller before. And it's a really interesting book um for you know for the four of us i don't think that there's a whole lot that's going that would be challenging or really enlightening because we know the history of miller's daredevil so well we know the character so well so we kind of know what's going on but for people who haven't read say born again or haven't read miller's daredevil uh it's a really fascinating um look inside of what's going on with those characters and what's that particular run of comics from when miller starts in the late 70s into the early 80s he doesn't cover the Mazzucchelli stuff um, or the JRJR stuff, but that particular run that he works on with um, uh, with Klaus and and what that means for comics as uh, a medium and what that means for the superhero as sort of this uh, archetypal figure is really uh, really interesting. Um, again, if you've read the stuff, it's not going to be anything surprising. But if you haven't read it, it's a really beautiful, wonderful insight into it. Um, there's a bunch of stuff he gets wrong or, th- or seems to overlook. Uh, like he gets dates wrong for like, um, he, uh, he mentions Ditko for a moment because Steve worked on a couple issues, um, in the middle of Frank's run. Uh, but he says Steve like worked in the forties, which is obnoxious. That's not true. Um, that's not even close to being true. Now, is this called, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil and the Ends of Heroism? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's part of a comics culture, uh, academic series, which is, uh, edited by a guy named, uh, Corey Creekmer. And, uh, most of those books are really good. There's an Archie book, and then Noah Berlatsky wrote a Wonder Woman book, which is much better than Jill Lepore's. And then there's, uh, there's another one that's escaping me at the moment, a Watchmen book, I think. Um, 
but anyway, so it's it's a really interesting book, and for people that aren't familiar with it, it's it's really wonderful. Um, one of the I guess one of the other small things that sort of stuck in my craw is there's a bit where he's talking about, um, but it didn't bother me too much because he's not really focused on the pre Miller stuff. But he's talking about Stanley and Wally Wood working on the character, and it's just this strange moment where he's like reading across the series, and he says, "Yeah," and there's this weird moment where Wally Wood's working on the character. And all the stories are really interesting, and the writing's really good. And then Wally leaves, and Stan seems to have somehow forgotten of what he wrote in the Wood <laughs> issues. And like, like it's because he didn't write exactly. Them. So like, my annotations in the book, like my pencils, like fuck you, like what? Are you talking about? <laughs> like, how did you know Wally was writing these stories? Like, did you not Google this? Um, but anyway, so there's little things like that that will bother uh, folks like us. But overall, it's a really, it's a really wonderful book. Um, and, and certainly worth reading. Um, the last one I wanted to talk about, and this is one that I would, if you three, particularly you three guys read this, I would be, I would be really interested to hear what you think about it. It's, uh, Nick Susanis's, uh, the, the unflattening or just unflattening. No, uh, no definite article there. Um, this is an incredible book. It is. Sort it is the sort of heir to what Will Eisner and Scott McCloud set up with their books about comics. Um, so what you know, whatever Eisner set up with comics and sequential art and uh, graphic storytelling and visual narrative, and you know, and McCloud's understanding comics, this is sort of the philosophic, like intellectual heir to those books, and it's this really challenging, interesting thing about. Um, you know, just sort of this, uh, compl- you know, the complex sort of delirious, bizarre, uh, you know, engrossing medium that comics is. And, um, it's just, it's just a really engrossing read. And it's done like McLeod's book. It's done in comics form. Um, and, and really sort of pushes, um, the reader's imagination of what they think comics are and what they can be and how they should deal with them. Um, and it's just, uh, I, I just can't speak highly enough of it. So, um, of the three things that I happen to mention, I would really, really strongly suggest, uh, Susanna's The Unflattening because I think it's going to be an important work that we end up talking about in the same breadth or same breadth of, uh, Eisner's, uh, comics, comics and sequential art or, uh, McLeod's understanding comics. It, it really changes the way that we sort of think about these things. And if it doesn't change them, it certainly enhances the things that we already know and, and gives us a vocabulary to work with, um, that we might not have already had. So, uh, really just, just incredible, uh, challenging, deep stuff. So please read it. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. The pages are great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, the pages are great. And sort of the things um, that he that he pushes the readers to t- uh, to think about. I mean, he's not like you know, it, it, it's not really a complaint. But like one of the things like that I find about like particularly like McLeod's book is that it's these really clean sort of breaks. Like here's how we talk about X, Y, and Z. Um, but Susanna seems to be seems to be pushing the reader to think more abstractly um, rather than thinking sort of in these sort of sharp definitions like um like his chapter just for example like his chapter titles are things like um sorry i'm flipping to a page here but like bodies in motion and um and ruts 
and what's another one? Strings, strings attached. I mean, just little things that um, really play into how we like look at sequential art and how we just sort of think about art and sort of mo- art in motion and, and, and how comics are specially equipped to, um, you know, lead us down those paths, right? Instead of asking us to think specifically about like what is the definition of comics? What does this word mean? What does, you know, um, sort of in the way that McLeod does, this is much more art driven and much more abstract, um, and really just fantastic. These pages are very Panteresque. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that there's a, there's a clear influence there. Um, and I think that he, he approaches us from, from the perspective of an artist to, as opposed to an academic necessarily or a writer, um, or someone trying to teach, you know what I mean? I mean, he is doing that through the book, but, um, but as opposed to, you know, approaching it through that method, he, he approaches it through, you know, um, as an artist and, and asks the reader to think as an artist and to uh, peel back layers instead of accepting, you know, concrete, you know, uh, tangible things. So really, I'm gonna get this. Yeah, you really should. And, um, you know, if you guys end up getting it at some point or other, I really love to hear your thoughts about it, whether it's just you guys talking about the show or us talking in person. I, I don't give a shit, but like, I really want to know what you think about this because I'm really impressed by it. Um, and it's something that I plan on using, you know, teaching going forward. So I, I, I'd love to hear other people think about it and talk about it. Give me a week. Damn. I'll read it. Do it. <laughs> a week. You. Oh, hey everybody. Thank you for being here with us yet again. If you enjoyed any of this episode, even if it was only a second, do us a solid, right? And leave us an iTunes review, uh, or a review on a similar podcast aggregator. <laughs> uh, cause we would really appreciate it. It, it. it helps out a lot. And, um, thank both of you, Mario and Zach for being here with us. It was, it was a great time, as usual. Like I, you know, I knew it would be always fun. It is pleasure. My some of my favorite people in the world are here. So, mm-hmm. isn't it ironic that Jason's absent? <laughs> it's a bummer, is what it is. No, you guys elevated us. See, that's how it works. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. No, the, the trick is we want to make him reluctant to take a week off again. <laughs> that, that's how it is. Make him think twice about before he plant before he schedules his next uh, fantasy draft on a Wednesday. Yeah, really. Oh, I got, I got this quarterback. Yay! <laughs> um, so thank you, and as always, say good night. Good night. Oh, making it harder. David. David. Good night. <laughs> One, two, three, go David. David. See, everybody's oh. got to all through the whole. On flat, we cannot. It doesn't work. I tried every week to to get him off his game. He, it just doesn't work. They were cute, though. You guys are nice. Yeah, we Aww. try. David. <laughs> what else am I going to text about wrestling? Nobody. Damn Skippy. That's true. I love that. I love that. I got wrestling from you. I got just about everything else from Mario. Mm. Whether it's Netflix TV shows or 
comic books or making fun of other people on social media that we don't want to do in public. <laughs> That's mostly what it is. That is mostly what it is, yeah. What do you get from me? Oh, enough. <laughs> Nothing. Ajita? Ajita. Ajita. Ajita the Philippine. Say goodnight. Say goodnight to him, Six. Jason may be back next week. We don't know yet. Perhaps. Perhaps. Hmm. Shake some psychotic reaction, no satisfaction.